Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, y'all? Cecil West, Beyond the Harmony, BeyondTheHarmony.com. Back again with the one and only... Jonathan C. Lippy. And this, of course, is the one and only cannot be duplicated Thug Thursday Beyond the Harmony. Back with you guys again. And John, I'm excited every week. I'm excited this week. Uh we're 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 doing it again, man. And uh it's it's gonna be a big, big episode tonight. Yeah, man. This one seems like it could have the potential to be one of our biggest ones. And even from some of the people chiming in with questions and the enthusiasm everybody has for this particular episode, I'm thoroughly excited for it. I've done so much research. This is the most research I've done for an episode. I read nearly a 300-page book, and that book is Guilty by Association by Demiza. And it is a fantastic book. You guys got to read it. This, this, I mean, the busy book was great. I've read The Dog Father by Snoop Dogg, but Guilty by Association by Demiza is one of, if not the best hip hop book I've read. And there may be others out there, but this one has so many famous names. It's, it's, you almost wonder how he could get away with putting this book out. There's, there's so many inside stories. You just got to read it. Go to, I think it's demizabook.com to get it. This book is solid. So check out Guilty by Associate. I hope some people out there have read it already. And if you have, you know what I mean. It's just a solid book. It was so fun to read. I didn't want to put it down. And um, it's, it's just awesome. It's uh, definitely demizabook.com is where you guys can check it out. Uh, I did not get the opportunity like John to read the whole thing, but I made sure that I, um, you know, did a lot of um, just reading of different passages and, and, and different chapters that, you know, John had suggested and, you know, skimming through for our interview as well as doing just tons of research on Demiza. And, and I'm, I'm real excited uh, for tonight's interview because this is this is a big deal guys uh it's obviously a big deal in bone but you got to think of just the level of of who we have on here tonight like outside of the bone world this is this is still this is still huge and psh, i i'm i'm psh, bro 1999 the source said he is the fourth most powerful person in hip-hop tonight He's here on Beyond the Harmony. So that was a crazy time in hip-hop. You know, uh, we're, we're not talking about a weak time in hip-hop. 1999 to be considered in the in the top five most powerful motherfuckers in hip-hop. That's, that's crazy. I'm excited to talk about, you know, what we're going to talk about tonight. Because if you guys have ever listened to any Demiza interviews, it, the guy has so many stories because he's worked with so, I mean, bro, Jay-Z, Snoop, Dre. 
Nate Dog. I mean, it, the, the list before you even get to Bone is crazy. But what is nice about that is it means that his Bone stories, you know, haven't been watered down. Um, because, you know, that he he's had so much to talk about. So I, I think we're going to have a great interview tonight because we're going to get to hear some new stuff that he hasn't, you know, just had to talk about over and over and over. Yeah, and I, I knew Demiza was a big deal. I had no idea how big of a deal Demiza was until over the past three weeks. None. No yeah. idea. Do you know I, that, that Demiza put... He, he put Dre and Snoop back together, and it's something that we forgot about. We forgot about Dre, <laughs> but we forgot that there was a period of time where Snoop, you know, Dre went to the aftermath after Death Row, and him and Snoop weren't doing much. The Mizza put the – there's a whole elaborate thing he had to do to make it happen, a whole bunch of hoops he had to jump through, but he put Dre and Snoop back together, and that's when we got the Chronic 2001. He tells the story of how um, Dre got Jay-Z to do um, Still DRE. It's all in the book, and he's the guy that that brought them. Can you imagine if Demiza didn't do that? And when you learn how Demiza is, he's like the only guy in the world that could have possibly even done this, and he got Dre and Snoop. Can you imagine our life right now if Forgot About Dre never happened, Chronic 2001 never happened, Still Dre never happened? All those tracks would not have happened possibly. And well, actually, I guess some of those, but the, but Still DRE definitely would not have happened. Or the last, the next episode. How epic was the next episode? And, and of course, you know, if if you followed Demiza, and you know, I don't, I don't know how much of this we're gonna get into tonight, you know, with him directly because we're we're gonna be looking to talk about that that bone. So I, I think that it's important for us to acknowledge the huge things about this guy uh, outside of the bone world is, which is like, bro, he he was directly, uh, you know, responsible. For helping break Eminem to the world. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, and the, bro. The, the, who and the who story knows? For that who one, knows? If you he, know, he if, broke if Eminem. Demiza wouldn't have done that. I, exactly. Eminem. The world without Eminem. And and this, he traded Dre. He wanted to hear eight hour or he traded Dre. He wanted to know the entire story of NWA from front to back. And and that was the trade he did with Dre to break Eminem. And he heard so, the whole story. You know, I'm I'm sure we're gonna cover some of that. He he's had a lot to do with Bone. Uh, he's got a lot of tracks with Bone. He he worked on New Waves. We we put together a list. There's there's 13 on here, and um, I don't even believe that's all of them. In fact, you know, there I I know that it's I know that it's not. It was just kind of 13 that that we worked with. Uh, we'll do in the research. Uh, in fact, when I look at our list, John, like I mean, I don't even see bottle service on here. Um, yeah, I see. <laughs> Just throwing it in as we're talking about it. So it's like, you know, you you know the guy's done a lot uh, with Bone. Uh, some of the the bigger ones, of course, I still believe. Crazy Bone, Mariah, The Brat, you know, More Than Thugs, uh, Coming Home, the the you know the original with TQ, the Thug music plays on, which was on, of course, the Down to Earth soundtrack. You know, and and that's just a couple of the crazy bones thug on the line. He was on there, um, and, you know, a lot. There, you, you know, and it's funny there. too. When I was going through all this, it's like I remembered a whole bunch of other songs that I, that we didn't have on our list, and I couldn't find them. And we found all these other ones that we have. So some of the other ones are Lord, what have I done? Is it me? Fast money. 
I, you know, I can remember. Is it me? When, is it me dropped? Uh, is it me dropped? And it was like no surrender .net. If anybody remembers, no surrender .net. Um, and and it dropped on there, and immediately I was I was into it. I, I remember that track, and uh, and it dropped way before I think it, it ended up coming out on his album. And uh, I was always really into that song. Did you, did you like that track? I mean, I, I, That's I really the one, liked does it have track. like a does it have like a spunky, fast tempo beat to it? Is it me? Is it me? Um, is it me? Is it like that? No, no, no. It's it's got like a singer um, yeah. on it, and uh, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to send it to you to make sure that that you're thinking of the same one. But I I really liked that song, and you know that was way back, and I had no idea back then. In fact, when when I heard that. I just assumed Demiza was just, you know, a producer. I had no idea, you know, who who he was that that he was such a big deal in in radio. You know what I mean? It's like you knew Demiza, but but Damian Young was almost kind of a, a different thing. Um, because I don't even think he was didn't didn't Mariah give him that name like when he became a producer? So he was just Damian Young for a while. Well, yeah, they they had a bunch of different nicknames because he always had to hide that he was working with Mariah on projects. So I forget that some of the names are in the book. I know at one point Mariah and Demiza used to call each other Al in reference to Al Gore. And then they eventually got to meet Al Gore. And Al Gore was so cool that when he when he met Mariah and it was right before she was gonna do the national anthem. So she was like prepping for it, you know, this is a big moment. And he walks in and he says, Hey, I heard your name is Al or <laughs> something like that. It was, <laughs> it was like a perfect icebreaker. And uh, so that was cool. But yeah, they, she, he had, he went by a bunch of names. I forgot all the different names, but, but they always came up with new nicknames to disguise his involvement with Mariah Carey's career. This is a question I'm going to ask him, but I might as well ask you while we have a couple minutes before he, before he calls in. What is, uh, what is, and, and this is something that you guys can answer almost like a little question of the day. What is your favorite Demiza Bone? track and and we know from other interviews what like his favorite demiza track is we know what his favorite nate dog demiza track is but i'll be interested to see what his favorite bone demiza track is what what is yours it, it's a tie between coming home the tq version i still believe it's between i still believe in the tq coming home and for different reasons and i and it's funny it's these two tq and mariah remember when we did if you could choose a member to add to bone who would it be tq and mariah that's what my answer was so yeah. i'm i'm coming home man the way that made me feel the first time i heard the tq version i felt i felt like like star wars finally made a good film a good remake like i felt that bone <laughs> finally remembered who they were and and got it right got it so right on that version and uh but and obviously the i still believe you know i was so happy that crazy bone was able to do another song just by himself and and the brat was on it but it wasn't the whole group of mariah it was just him and mariah carey and i just thought that they were such a good a good team that their voices complemented each other very well um so i don't know which one it's it's a tie between those two what about you um you know i i it's funny because you always push the the coming home you know, the, when the Cavs won, the, the Coming Home song dropped. And uh, and, I, and I was having a hard time getting into it. And, and it's weird because I believe that originally the TQ version was still just crazy and busy. And, and somehow the rest of Bone ended up on there and then ended up back off there. And maybe we'll find out kind of all the evolution of that song. But, 
you know, more recently, I really got into um, kind of got into the TQ version. Part part of that, I think, is you pushing it, pushing it on me. Um, but yeah, so I, I like that one. And I love I still believe uh, I'm kind of in the same shoes you are, where it's like, I still believe it's kind of just like a default, like, you got to love it. So like, let's not even consider that, because it's just going to make me have to knock out another song that that's really worthy here so let's just say that i still believe is just like untouchable bro because there's something special about that song um the, the way it felt when you heard it and like for me i'm not you know i'm a mariah carey fan but i didn't have mariah carey albums so i think a bunch of mariah carey fans heard you know th that song and it was like it was good you know for them like it's a great song but like for us as Bone fans, when I heard it on Thug Mentality, like the whole fucking record changed. The, the it, it became uh, something different. So, you know, I still believe it's just such a special record. The the way crazy is, the way they complement each other. Um, shit, you know, I, even I, that beat, that beat, I, bro. The end for it to be his first. Yeah. Oh, I know. What a first track to produce. Well, I guess that was his first official track under his name because I think he had done. Well, he, I guess it was the first one that was all for him. Uh, but he did, I think, oversee a lot of projects prior to that. The here's a question for you, and I know this is a question we're going to ask to Mizza. And actually, it's not even a question. This is just like a a realization. Oh, hold, hold on though. Before you ask it, I, I got to say though that if if it wasn't, I still believe. Uh, the the tie is 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 more than thugs, um, because more than thugs just re when that came out it like re invoked. It's one of those songs that once in a while they put one out that that gives me that feeling of of bone again. Probably the same way you're describing home, the first time you heard home. Uh, yeah. that's that's what happened the first time I heard more than thugs, and and even though like I almost felt like like the chorus is kind of like you know rehashing a a bunch of bone stuff that that we're used to it it felt right like it didn't feel recycled it felt homage instead um almost like it was like an ode a nod to to the to the bone you know and, and that sound and i just felt like demiza and bone captured it so well um more than thugs it, it it gave me that days of our lives uh feeling so so if it's not i still believe then then it's that one so just yeah just, uh i i just had to throw that out there well and in the midst of being a bone fan it's kind of like when we talk about blaze being a bone fan doing good production for them it's it's when i heard coming home and well i think more than thugs came out first i was like oh my god who who made this one this guy knows and then i heard coming home and i find out it's demiza again i was like they gotta get this guy to do bone full time how's he not their their main producer now so maybe yeah. we'll find out why he, he really gets he he gets the the you know the harmony aspect of bone really well. I I'd be interested to hear him do like, you know some some of the the thuggish ruggish and and I and I know at this point you just want to hear the harmony, but you know as a bone fan it's like that full spectrum right. So it's like I'd be interested to hear him him kind of throw down that kind of beat. But bro, does he just overly he like overly understands what what that that sound should sound like and it's like he recaptures the old sound in in a new way um so it's you know so the realization to it yeah the, the realization 
I wanted to point out, and I don't even know if this is true or accurate, but when I was thinking of Thug Music Plays On, which was a, a big favorite of mine because it came out at a time where Bone as a group weren't really releasing uh, group material. That was like in their solo phase. And Thug Music yeah. Plays On, and I remember, and when it, I'm looking at that saying, wow, okay, Demiza did this. It was on the Down to Earth soundtrack. And then I say, was this the first time that Crazy, Lazy, and Wish did the three-man group, which would then later on be on Thug Stories and Strength and Loyalty. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, just the three of them without Busy, this actually is a pretty good song. I didn't think that Bone could do it without Busy Bone, and Thug Music Plays On was the first time I had that realization of like, wow, this is a pretty good song without Busy. And that was before well, I, 2001. I was in college when that came out. Well, I think you're you're gonna get that answer. I believe we have Demiza on. Let's check it out. Demiza, are you with us? Good morning. Hey, Good morning, Damien. <laughs> Damien Demiza. Yo, you guys are like the damn CIA. On dog. You gotta type this, that to get in. Like, like, <laughs> like hey, I it's an IQ test. Uh, <laughs> hey, glad you figured it out. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm glad minute, we could get you it. on. Uh, we we uh, we we always get the you guys are like the the CIA. We do a lot of uh, research and investigation, so I guess it made sense that that you had to hack the passwords to to get through to get to <laughs> us. But but we have you here now, and uh, we're we're really pumped up to have you, man, because it's like. You know, I, I think I told you, but with what we do, we we obviously we interview people that have been significant to the 25 year legacy that we know as Bone Thugs and Harmony. And a lot of times, uh, you know, some of those guys are just, you know, that that is their sole thing is is Bone. But your career is so huge, and and it and it touches so many people that um, you know, I I think that he, people even ha haven't got the chance to to even know the impact that you've had on bone because you've impacted so many other things that when you go on somewhere and you talk about it, you have to talk about those things. So I'm excited for us to be able to talk about this. Uh, before we do that though, because your, your career has been uh, just so big and, and, and again, you've touched so many, do you think that we want to set the foundation for our listeners so they know exactly what you've done and something I always like to do when uh, we have somebody come on is them to just set up the roots, the DNA that, that makes them them. So for our listeners, can you, can you let them know just where Demiza was born and raised and kind of set the foundation for them? Well, I was born and raised in Santa Barbara, California. Um, gosh, I, I mean, normal kid with a dream, just wanted to make it, you know, and moved to LA in 1997, ran Power 106 and was lucky enough to work at Hot 97 in New York, and they gave me like 32 stations in the middle, and that's where my career started. I mean, the first record that I ever produced was in 1999, which was I Still Believe by Mar Mariah Carey, Crazy Bone, and The Brat. And so my introduction into the business was with Crazy Bone. And if Crazy Bone didn't co-sign that record, you know, I wouldn't have made it. So shout out to Crazy Bone for giving me my shot. It's amazing to me if my if my listeners 
don't know who they're they're listening to, then this man just minimalized his career so quickly for you guys <laughs> and jumped and jumped to him being a producer in 1999 and just jumped over such a huge piece. Uh, I, I love I love how uh, how humble you are uh, in, in oh, watching God. your interviews and and reading your book. I, I can say that you're, uh, you know, you're a mature voice for for hip hop. You're a, you're a humble guy. Uh, you have some oh, great thanks. stories. One of them, actually, bef before we even jump into production, but let's own, Wait, hold Power on, hold 106. On, hold on, hold on. Before, before you go there, let's rewind. You always talk about Thug Music Play On. That's one of my favorite records I've ever done. Yeah. I love that record. And yes, you're right. It was the beginning of the trio. Oh, nice. And I had, what? and that was the first time actually a producer made Bone or any member of Bone double each other. Like I had Wish doing Lazy's part, Lazy doubling Wish's parts. I had Crazy doing backgrounds on Wish. It was just, it was an amazing night. We did that record and Fast Money overnight. And actually, Tamika Wright asked us to do that because we were going to do those two records for a project that was going to come out on Ruthless. So that's crazy. And then we ended up using it for a soundtrack, and then, you know, Fast Money was unreleased, but it's, it's out, you know, just on the low. Yeah, that, that's but what that I was going to ask you, if, if you knew that <laughs> you go it was going to be for a soundtrack, you know, it, or if it was meant for something else, because, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like at for that time, because it, I, I believe you guys recorded it around the time of, of like them doing Resurrection. Is, is that right? I mean, was there a reason why Busy wasn't featured on that song? Uh, you know what? I didn't know, because look, I never even met Busy. I didn't even know Busy till last year or a couple years ago. Oh really? Wow! Like I, when we right when we more than thugs was the first record that Busy and I ever did. That's wow. the first. I met him once with Johnny J when he was doing Thugs Cry. And and rest in peace, Johnny J. And and he introduced me to him, and it was just in passing, but I had never sat down and talked to Busy. And I had just come back to L.A., and I was sitting there, and Steve Lobel. Um, said, Busy wants to meet you. And he had heard, you know, that I was back in town and that I was going to produce again. And he said, you know, he's the only member of Bone that hasn't worked with me. So he said, if he's back in town, I want to work with him. So Busy actually showed up to the studio, um, and I wasn't there. Like, he showed up, like, looking for me. And Bams was there. Shout out little Bams. Uh, we just did a dope record with King Little G, by the way. Um, he 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 would he was like talking to Bams and Bam and he's like, "Is the music cool?" This that and the other, and Bams was like, "Hell yeah!" And they did that song out here for Bams's album that day. And Busy was so cool that he just said, "Bams, you're gonna have that record. You're a cool kid." And you know him and Kid did that. And the next day I showed up, and Busy just showed up, and he goes, "You're the Mizza." And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'm like, you're busy, Bone. So nice to meet you. I'm a big fan. Because I'm a Bone fan. Bone is my favorite group of all time. So, like, I have the coolest job in the world. I, you know, I work for a group I idolize. Like, I grew up on Bone. I'm a Bone fan. And that's why it's yeah. so funny. I talk to Michael Peters or any of the Bone fans that are out there. Shout out Michael Peters. has been great to me, by the way. Made the, yeah, he's uh, a great by guy. The way, we're, 
we are celebrating today because we hit 2 million views on More Than Thugs. So shout out to Lewis. Shout out to everybody. That's great. And um, it's just cool because, you know, I, 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 I was such a fan that, that you know, he, he was so cool about it. And he walked up and he's like, yo, well, what do you think of Bone? And I'm like, busy, don't ask me that. He's like, why? And I said, because I'm really going to give you my opinion. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, this group is so fucking fragmented right now. I'm a bone fan. I want all you guys together. Uh, you know, this, that, <laughs> you know, I, whatever a bone fan would say if they had no filter. You know what I'm saying? All the years of like, you know, where are you guys at? Like, the songs sound this way. What the da da da? This solo stuff is killing the brand. I don't, you know, like, I just went uh, off. Right. And he was like, and he's like, well, what song would you like to make? What song would the Bone fans like to hear? And we made more than thugs. Mm. You, and it was Miza like, I is... wanted to remind people of what Bone sounded like. Let me reintroduce you to Bone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So as a oh, fan, fact. that was my gift back to the fans of, yo, they're still Bone. You know what I'm saying? It, it's a, um, it's an amazing, you know, it, it's crazy that that's how you present it. Because for us, for as Bone fans, I got to say that it was the return to a sound that that we hadn't heard in a while. It was actually something during our pregame we were talking about that 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 invoked the same feeling in me when I heard it that I I felt when I I heard Days of Our Lives, and even though the chorus was was Thank reusing you. elements that we'd heard previously. It was more yeah. of a a nod, an ode to those, a respect to those versus just a reuse. Yes. Um, that so, was the so whole what, idea. What what that um was the whole idea? What was the you like what was the, the purpose behind more than thugs? Was it just a one off or was there more that was supposed to happen there? It felt like we were really building something there and then it kind of just it just kind of pulled away from us. Well the idea was that it was going to be a Demiza Presents Pone album. Oh. And that was the start of it. So the whole record was going to be a Bone fan journey through Bone. I mean, like, for instance, did you hear, you heard the Blacklist? Yes, the Miz tape. Okay, you know the song, the, the song with Blackie Fontana, the very first song? Yeah, yeah and there's like a, a skit that precedes Praying it. Praying to God. Yeah. That was supposed to be one of the tracks for that album. Oh. Well, you did get that so B.B. Gambini freestyle. Yeah, and the B.B. Gambini freestyle, that was just messing around. We were just having fun. <laughs> That's why I put it on the mixtape, because it was just, you know, that was busy warming up the mic one night. Right. You know what I is, mean? Is that, like, was, that, was that when we saw the video of you and him working on Coming Home? Was it that night, or was it a different night? No, that night was, uh, was we were doing, uh, what's the one uh, uh, where he's talking about the Grammys? Or no, 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 uh, the Hall of Fame. Oh, he's you got a song video? about the Hall of Fame. Oh, that, <laughs> that was the night at Rose Lane when I recorded the thing where I played him coming home. Aha, uh -huh. okay. So how many sessions did you do with Busy? <laughs> I mean, I got so many Busy Bone records, it's stupid. Wow. I mean, we literally, what happened was when we did More Than Thugs, Busy loved it. And that day we did six songs. 
And then Lazy came, or excuse me, Crazy heard the reference for More Than Thugs and said, oh, my God, that's a bone record. And literally he heard it. You know, the, the Crazy's radio show when I did Crazy's radio show? That, was, that day was the first day that Cray heard More Than Thugs. And he uh, hadn't got on it yet. We, we were well, wondering if, maybe were you did, the inspiration? Were you the one that were you the one that gave Crazy Bone the inspiration to start the Quick Fix show? You know what? I think a lot of artists. Period. I did because you know back in the day I had this thing called All Star Radio on Power. So on the weekends we would have the entire time we'd have artists doing radio. So Snoop Dogg having a radio show. I put him on the radio the first time. That's how Master P heard him, signed him off of hearing unreleased music on the radio. Master P was driving, heard Snoop Dogg on the radio and said, what the hell is that? I need to get with him. I walked in one Saturday afternoon. Snoop Dogg said, I got a new deal with Master P. He heard me on the radio. Thank you, miss. And then I put in with Dr. Dre, and that's how that whole shit started. So, yeah, to answer your question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I enjoyed the Miz tape this morning. Uh, by the way, I had been listening to it, uh, but Thank for you. whatever reason, this morning it was it was killing it. Uh, there was a song. I, I love your your humor, like the sense of humor that you have on on some of the tracks. And the the weirdest part is like I feel like every time I listen to it, more songs show up. <laughs> I don't know how it's possible, <laughs> but uh, the, the yeah the track list changes and uh, maybe it's different platforms. It seems like it's different on Google Play versus that piff but whatever uh i forgot what those I songs you, you were you were talking about like a bullet uh flying by your head and then you go off oh, and that was <laughs> that was i love that, that song <laughs> we were just having fun <laughs> with that i mean it was an old school beat and stuff and you know that wasn't gonna make the mistake but it was so funny you know what i mean like it was a it was a joke we were just messing around one night and i was well, like oh, i was talking about you know bullets and jumping over freaking trees and like all this was that was that and based on well, because in your book, there, there's that part about when you went to the party at East L.A. And, you know, at near oh, the yeah. end of the party, it, it popped off and then you guys were running. You jumped the fence and it was barbed wire. You ended up with the Rottweiler. Yeah. Luckily, it was chained and, <laughs> and you didn't know if you were shot or not. And uh, yeah. you know, I, when I heard that song, I was like, I wonder if that was about that night. But uh, well, thank you. I'm glad that you actually read the book. (laughs) Oh, dude, I've been dude. This your book. I I I had to put it down like a few times because especially the the chapter with Mariah Carey, it it evoked so many different emotions like anxiety where I'd start sweating. I had to put it down. The part when uh, you're on the plane with Luis Miguel and it's going down. He's like, "What are we gonna do? You grab the vodka, you just pour him a drink, and you're like, "Hey, man." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's have a good time dying, bro. <laughs> well, and I then, mean, uh, look, the way I look at life, Doug, is it's like, look, God gives us a gift, man. We got a moment to shine. Better make every fucking second count. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's why when I met Busy in that moment, I was like, damn, this is my chance as a Bone fan to get the record that I want. Look, more than thugs. Like, there's a lot, like, there's been so much, like, misunderstanding and all this, that, and the other. Lewis did an amazing track on that record. Lewis came, was there. Lewis uh, was with Busy. We, we synergized together on that. And after that, it, it took on this life. Like, it was a magic record. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it came together so beautifully. It was like, it, that is like the pinnacle of my career there. That's one of my favorite yeah. records. Between that and like Music and Me, Nate Dog Rest in Peace, and Lights Out. You know what I mean? Those are my three yeah. favorites. But the Bone record is a symbol of my, of my fandom of Bone Thugs and Harmony. You know what I mean? And I was so upset, so upset when it turned into New Waves. And we probably should get into that at some point. Yeah, well, we have a whole new wave section on that, and and, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> so we, I, I think yeah, we could jump right into that. Um, but I just want to let you know, though, I tr- tremendously, seriously, I've had the greatest time reading your book. It was so well written. The characters in there, uh, it, it was like Dr. Oh, Dre thanks. was a character, Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey was a character, Jay Z was a character, and then you had like sub characters like Eminem, and they'd show up, they'd come back in and out in different chapters, and. Like it was almost like the Marvel universe. So I'm in, I'm in the Drake well, chapter. Imagine living, it, bro. Shows <laughs> imagine living it. Like, dude, I'm a simple kid. Like you said, I'm a humble, simple kid. I'm from Santa Barbara, California, a small freaking town. And it's like, I had a dream. My grandfather was in the CIA and he was a radio guy. He like pretty much was, was an innovator in radio. And he always had this big black, you know, ham radio thing. And I was just mesmerized by it. My grandfather inspired me to be a radio guy. So my first pirate station was at like 12, 13. I put an antenna on top of the radio, on top of the house and, you know, wanted to listen to NWA and Bone or whatever, or not at that time, but NWA and stuff like that at, at my high school. And he showed up at my house, you know, CIA style, and said, there's a signal coming from this house. You know, I'm mad at you because it's illegal, but I'm proud of you because what the hell did you do? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, 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 I just got certified. Train. I just oh, got really? my ham license. Got... And, and when I, yeah, when I read that you did that, I was like, how did he do that? How did he know? How did you know? <laughs> It's what channel did you say? This this is what I did. I went to Kmart, and you know those little little things back in the day where you plug in and it broadcasts your CD onto your radio? Yes. The little boxes you could plug into, and it broadcasts right onto your radio? Well, I took that, and I put two car antenna boosters on it, and then put a huge-ass antenna on my roof. Wow. And just... (laughs) Did it that way. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, transmitter. And yeah, just so I, you know, I, though, bro, check this out. I my grandfather passed away last year. God rest his soul. And I have his ham radio in the book, and I'm learning now. I'm gonna. Get ah. It's the only. It's the only FCC thing I haven't done yet. <laughs> it, yeah, there's, there's there's three levels to it. So there's like the intro, the intermediate, and then the expert. They, they, there's different names for it. But yeah, you're gonna kill yeah. it, man. You're, and, and yeah, well, I, I was just, just got the book and I just got his radio. My brother was so cool. He let me have it. And he's like, you're the freaking radio guy. You get his radio. And, and, and it was such a symbolism to me because that's what inspired me. And I realized it wow. when he gave it to me. I didn't realize it until that point. And then I remembered being a little kid and walking up and just being marveled. You know, he'd turn it on and just check the time, tune into the time kind of thing and show me like, you know, how to work it. But I never learned how to work it. But now... I will. I, I literally have it in my room on my dresser, and it's a reminder of where I started. That's awesome. Maybe one day we'll ham it up. Uh, let me know what your call <laughs> sign is. <laughs> when I get it. A, yeah. Wow. And and right before we went on, I didn't realize that you did something with Stephen Greer, and 
that yeah. blew me away. So that's that's that may be for a whole at, other you know combo. So cool? You know what's so cool is being such a fan and such a geek like I am. I mean, I get because of what I've done. For some strange reason, I attract the craziest people. Like, you know, you'll see pictures of me at Vicente <laughs> Fox hanging out. You know what I mean? You'll see, like, you know, Richard Branson and Michael Eisner and all these weird people. You know what I mean? Like, they, they you know, some people just like to tap my glass. You know what I mean? And ask me questions about just social issues or anything like that. And it, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'll let you do the interview. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll go off for days. <laughs> you're, you're good. We we like to roll with where, wherever the guest wants to go. You know, we, we keep, like, the loosest format for, for ourselves in case a, a guest has no idea where they're going. And, and wherever you go, we can go. You know, the nice thing about our show is it's it's usually, like, us having to set an established story for our guests. But yours has been set so many times that it's like, I don't feel bad if we don't cover, you know, your your relationship with Dre because I know it's well documented uh, over and over and over. But for our guests, it is still important for me to touch on this before we move any further because well, I, I let I, you just I jump over it. I can't believe you brought up Greer. Like Greer, you know, Greer is a <laughs> freaking. If you don't know who Steve, for the audience, if you don't know who Stephen Greer is, he's the number one UFOologist in the world. Yes. I mean, Love he him. has he has brief CIA heads, he's brief generals, like, I mean, there's this whole thing in the government about the UFO thing that's compartmentalized. I mean, they don't even tell the president a lot of it, you know, and he's briefed president's assistants and, you know, uh, uh, what's it, the, the chief of staff and stuff like that for Clinton, you know, because they didn't tell Clinton the whole story. So, you know, they called Greer. Greer came in and briefed for Clinton. You know, the head of the CIA at the time heard about Greer and heard about some of it and didn't know some of the background. And they were lying to the head of the CIA. So, it, you know, with my background, with my grandfather and all of this kind of stuff, I, I'm always into what's really going on. So Greer, uh, I had a mutual friend and, and Michael Mazzola and Schwartz, so thank you guys. And they said, you should sit down and talk to Greer. It'd be an interesting thing. So literally, I never met Greer before the start of that interview. I said, I don't want to meet him. I just want to sit down with him and put it on tape and ask him some questions. And the very first question I asked him is, look, if aliens exist and they wanted us dead, we'd be dead, right? Right. Yes. And you know what the strangest thing they said to me, and this was off, off the air, and, we, and it, it triggered a thought. We were sitting there talking. And he goes, look, basically, you're in a biomechanical suit, and you're living and seeing things through electricity. So if you were to go out of this uh, earth to someplace else, they'd put you in a space suit. So consider this your space, space suit that's acclimated to this environment right and he goes if you go out of this this um earth you're the alien <laughs> well, yeah like, by, by definition yeah yeah it's just crazy i mean it's just so deep you know you can there's no depth to that that set of conversations you know what i, I mean I was like with, I, i've been following greer for like 10 to 15 maybe even 20 years and right as we're going on i'm just cycling through your interviews and i'm like oh i didn't get a chance to watch this yeah. 
So that's Dude, one of the first know, things I'm going to look at. The thing was, is afterwards, he, <laughs> and I hate to say it like this, but we got drunk together afterwards. Like, oh, we, we went to dinner and just got smashed and just talked. I mean, he told me about, like, alien languages. I mean, he, it, I mean, it's not a conspiracy. I mean, it's just common. If you look at it like this, if we are the most intelligent beings in this entire universe that goes on forever, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So, it, I mean, it, this life has been great. You know, it's been great to see all of this stuff. And I got to thank my grandma because really she's the one that taught me everything that I know. And she's just a great woman. And she's still with us and she's still crazy as ever. And I still learn a lot of things from her. And it's just she, being very humble. She was like your guardian angel. You know, I read the part that you were ne- nearly aborted. And then, yeah. and then your your biologicals kind of tried to take care of you, but not really. And then they left you on on Granny's doorstep. And then she brought you in, nourished you back to health, and then and then filled yeah. you with confidence and all kinds of positive advice to lead you on your journey. I'm a deeply spiritual person, and throughout the book, there were so many things that happened to you that were supernatural, interconnected, synchronistic. Way and I'm supernatural. Like, yeah, See, especially that's, that's when you the other thing. My path is written like i have no control over any of this i thank god i'm an instrument of whatever this universe is doing with me because there's no way that i should have made it as far as i've made it done what i've done and lived through what i've seen <laughs> there's just no way i mean when i got with busy it's like it's like for instance the busy thing or anything like that when i get in that moment my brain basically shuts off as Damien, and it's just magic happens. Like, I don't remember doing more than thugs. I just remember the moment of engagement. And then everything shuts off, and magic happens. And then I wake up and go, God damn, what did I just do? So whatever I am, I'm an instrument. And everyone is. You know, but, but people fight it. You know what I mean? And it's, it's funny because, you know, when they say don't fight the feeling, that yeah. goes real deep with me. You know well, what I'm well, saying? I gotta, like, it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah. So, so I have a, this is a deep, deep personal question, and you don't have to yeah, fill me with whatever. I've, I, I remember choosing my life in another dimension. Busy Bone also remembers choosing his life in another dimension. He writes about it in his book, The, the Inside a Busy Mind. Do you recall, because your life, I remember sets of lives that I could have chosen, and, and there was glamour, but there was tragedy. And when I see what you came from and how you overcame all that and all the things that happened to you in your life that were just – it's just not even possible. I, I'm like, is Demiza one of us? Do you recall where you were before you came here? And sorry if that's a really weird question, but – No, 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 no. Feel- you know what? It makes total sense. It makes total sense. And I'll tell you something really messed up. I wish – and I have tried many times to do meditation, hypnosis, all of that, to remember what it is. Because I'm an old soul. I've been here a million times. And I recognize things. It's not, I don't remember before, but in instances like that, it's, it, there's a connection to the universe. And this is going to sound really weird. And there's a connection to something bigger than me that happens. And I, re, and I just know how to do it. So I remember it every day in things that I do, 
by feeling, but I don't remember it image-wise, and it makes me so mad. Wow. Well, <laughs> Does that make it sense? made me – yeah, it makes absolute sense, and and that, that's thanks thanks for your honesty. And I'm that was so jealous of answer. you for that, and I'm so jealous of Busy for that. <laughs> because I, I, I had really to bet, like to know. Because even dude, if look you, at it like this, and I don't mean I don't mean to interrupt you, but look at it like this: we are all electricity. That's all there is to it. You cannot kill electricity. So, for instance, they talk about for uh, you know, like have you seen like altered carbon or? you know, uh, travelers or anything where they talk about consciousness transfer. Absolutely. They the say skins. That that's impossible, right? But it happens every day all over the world. When a baby is born, where does that consciousness come from? It's a transfer from somebody who died. Yes. So you can't tell me that it's not possible because all it is at the end of the day is radio waves. I was going to ask you. a frequency. If you can I mean, I find doing... that frequency, <laughs> then you can manipulate minds. That's what I wanted to know too. When I realized you had a hand back or a, a radio background, I was wondering if you were into the frequencies and the electromagnetic theory and you know what. Oh super... hell yeah! I mean, look at gravity. You know, you sit there and say, you know, magic is impossible. But how the hell are you walking on the ground? What's holding you to it? You can't see it, air. You can't <laughs> yeah. see it. You know what I mean? But it's there. You know what I mean? So even telekinesis or anything like that, when I when I see psychics or something like that, of course there's fake ones, but I've had moments where I look at somebody and just spit out their whole life and they look at me like I'm a nutcase. You know what I mean? God. But it's dead on. But it doesn't happen, you know, often. You know what I mean? When when you were in that, that elevator, you, you were there was a part in the book where you were in the elevator and I forgot the artist's name, but she she was like suicidal right. and a car drove by and she heard oh, it and that gave right. her inspiration theater. Okay. When you, that encounter yeah. in the elevator at that point, I was just like, wow. What, what are the chances of you just happening to be in that elevator at that same moment that she walked oh, in? Oh yeah. And but then see, that's a perfect you, example of the instrument that God has given me. The gift yeah. that God has given me because I moments like that, like, like for instance, look at what ha what's happening with Justin. With with Cali Valley, Jay Smooth, you know, with the Kanye West thing. Did you see that? Ah, uh, no, I missed that one. The young producer, but, the young producer that just came out, that Kanye West was freestyling, and it sounded like the old Kanye West. It's on. Oh, I saw uh, that, and he made that. He made the now. beats, and and he wanted to make yeah. beats for Kanye like years ago, and now now he's sitting there and he's like right. bringing out the old Kanye. Yeah. That was he came to me as my assistant. And all he said was he wanted to work for Kanye West. And all I did was keep training him. And I knew someday it would come to pass. And he went and he met Dame Dash. He came back and said, I dropped your name to Dame. You should call him. I plugged him with Dame. Dame plugged him with Kanye. It's magic. It's not it me. And, and I got to shout out smooth because... Justin went through hell with me. I am not the easiest person to get along with. And the reason why is I have extremes of my life that are, that are exactly what you're saying, beyond what is possible. It's mind-blowing, some of the stuff that we do. And, you know, it's, it, you know I, I respect Lil Bam so much 
my little brother Bams, because he's gone through it with me. My little brother Jason, I love. Because we've gone on this journey, and it's not intimidated them. They've never been afraid of it. I've been afraid of it. When I was on that plane at first, the first thing that went through my head was, oh, this is how it ends. A music director at Power 106 in Los Angeles with the biggest selling female artist of all time and the biggest Latin singer ever in history. This is La Bamba. I'm Richie Valen. <laughs> and then right when I said I'm Richie Valen, was, oh, this is how it ends. Cool. I lived the life. I met Dr. Dre. I worked, put Snoop and Dre back together. I, made, I, I worked with Bone Thugs and Harmony, and this is how it ends. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why I always yeah. got the bottle, to celebrate, not because it was being cocky or, or because I felt like, hey, I'm you know, uh, you know, arrogant or anything like that. I said I was celebrating. I was like, yeah, it was a great life. Look what happened. I didn't have to go through my grandma dying. I didn't have to go through my grandpa dying. I didn't have to deal with anything crazy. This is how it ends. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and you just happened at age 12, you called in that radio station so many times. The guy just invited you in. Michael Newman. And you got Michael Newman. And that began all of it. And I. Well, I, and here's <sighs> the thing Michael Newman invented rotations. So the, the, the programming that you hear on radio, no matter what format, no matter what station, when they pl if they play records in a synchronistic pattern, it was Michael Newman's formula that started on a CAD card catalog at a radio station at 1330 Cacique Street in Santa Barbara, California. That's how it all started. And Michael Newman and Steve Smith were the program directors of KHTY in Santa Barbara. That's where they started. And those two were my mentors. Steve Smith ended up building Hot 97 and starting a consultancy with Michael Newman that had the 32 stations. So when I started at Power 106 and my boss got fired, they brought in Steve Smith to oversee Power 106 because Power 106 and Hot 97 were both owned by the same company. So when Steve Smith saw me, he hadn't seen me since I was 12. So he was like, what the hell are you doing here? Holy cow. He didn't even know. And I'm like, I'm the music director. And he's like, get out of here. <laughs> and he heard, the, he heard the station, and he knew I'd been running it. And he's like, why aren't you the PD? And I said, I have no desire to be the PD, or I can't produce records. I can't be the final say. And he's like, look, I will give you this station to do whatever you want with. And that's pretty crazy. I feel like your parents throwing you the keys at 14. So I'm like, I'm like all right. You know, he goes, just help me with my consultancy, which had the 32 stations. So I said, yeah, no problem. So he puts me on the phone with Michael Newman, my first mentor. So Michael gets on the phone with me and goes, Damien, little Damien? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And we start talking programming, and I'm reciting everything that he taught me because that's what made Power 106 number one. I just followed his formula. Uh, and it I almost wonder if if the decline of rap was when you stepped off of radio, because there was a moment where hip hop was no Dude, longer. I, look, the same I'm not arrogant. I'm not arrogant, and I'm not one of those people that will sit there and go me, me, me. But yes, it did, and and I've been yeah. punished up and down for it. Every rapper, West Coast rapper, <laughs> has got mad at me and talked shit to me when they see me. Whether it was Nate Dogg, rest in peace, Warren got. He hits me up about it constantly. You need to go back to radio. Radio died when you left. 
And that's really why, like, a lot of artists and I don't get along anymore, is they really got mad that their money dried up when I left. But what they don't oh. realize is my, my grandma fell down right after uh, Thanksgiving in 2004, and between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, my little brothers were going through a, a, a situation where my, parent, my, my stepmom was divorcing my dad. So it, it was like, what do you do? Do you go take care of your family? I can always go back to that. I was 30 years old, so I had a choice. I can do family or I can do this record thing. And I chose family. So if they're mad at me, fuck them. Yeah. Oh, family first, man. That, that that's, yeah. But, it, but yeah, now, I was responsible for the biggest growth in hip hop. And see, and the other thing, the one thing that I'm mad about, or not mad about, the one thing that I'm upset about is they don't credit us for breaking the East-West beef. Yeah, was, I, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. On stage with Biggie, it died. There was no more talk of it. It just disappeared. And it's, it's Biggie, it's Puffy, and it's Snoop that did it, so respect to them. But, you know, we were all catalysts for that. And, you know, it, it's like, it's history. It's our history. You know what I mean? Like, as Bone fans, we see it differently because it's a, it's a place in time. And if you love Bone and you follow their career through the time, you'll see that Bone has the exact same career as I did. They fell into everything, and I don't mean fell, but they were talented enough to work with everyone. Everybody wanted to work with Bone because they were so creative. It doesn't matter whether it was Tupac, doesn't matter whether it's Biggie, doesn't matter whether it's Easy e doesn't matter whether, you know, everybody wanted to work with Bone. Had you yeah. known and you Crazy Bone? Career, and it was magic. Sorry, go ahead. When, when when you were doing when you got when you were putting together, I still believe. Had you already met Crazy Bone at that point, or did you yeah. only know Mariah Carey? Okay, so I had, I had met Crazy in passing, maybe three times, you know, just quickly, and I played him some beats, and he was like, "Yeah, whatever, whatever," you know, just kind of like the radio guy wants to be a producer, you know, that kind of stuff. And then when Mariah <laughs> did it and sent it over to Crazy, Crazy was like, "Oh shit." And then Crazy and I did a bunch of records. I mean, I have so many records with Crazy in the vault. I mean, there's like a Ruthless Disc record. There's a freaking like, I mean, there's so many records that I did with Crazy in that era. That's right. Wow. I still Talking about I Still Crazy Believe. And I spent a lot of time in the studio. Yeah, and, and I Still I Believe, Crazy. I think, is, is you know, it, it's always... um. It's a next tier song, I think, for Bone fans. You know, it's a, it's a, it's when you look at the record that we as Bone fans know it coming from Thug Mentality '99. Of course, Mariah also uh, released the version that's got the brat. Um, but it's it's a it's a different type of song when we listen to it. And it was your first like a official production. Um, yeah. Can 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 you just talk about that? Because I mean, it, of course, you were not starstruck Dude, honestly, or anything. I, you're I'm... you're. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. There's a little I, I, delay I on the just, phone sometimes. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I know for you, you know, even though uh, it was your first, pro, you know, production, you're not a guy that's going to get starstruck. But can you just talk about, like, that initial, you know, session? It's it's Mariah. It's Crazy Bone. It's Brad. I mean, you're in there with legends. You're you're remixing this song. Uh, and, and it means so much to us as Bone fans. Can you kind of just tell us a little bit about that session and, and you know, just uh, fill us in a little bit about that, what that was like for you? Well, the, I, to be completely honest, I was scared out of my mind. 
because I had never produced a record before, period. I had been in studios before. I had done things like that, and, you know, I, I had started, but I, I had never been on that level or had that much pressure on me. So, the very, so when I woke up that morning and, you know, we were going to the studio to cut Mariah's parts, and Crazy was going to be there, and then The Brat, because, you know, I'm a huge fan of The Brat, too. Functified was a huge record for me, you know. Uh, yeah. Her Functified album was amazing. Jermaine Dupri did a great job on that record, and I was, I, I was a Brat fan, so I was more actually awestruck to meet The Brat than anything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, because I had met Crazy a couple of times. I knew Mariah. I was freaking out that I was going to meet The Brat, and I had to produce <laughs> The Brat's vocals. On top of it, do you know what I'm saying? I had to produce yeah. the vocals on Mariah. I, I mean, for a producer to come in and your very first thing is producing vocals on Mariah Carey. Oh. Uh, hello? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I literally, Dana John Chappelle, who was the engineer, a great guy, I walked up to him and I was just honest with him. And see, that's the thing, too, is a lot of people are just so arrogant that they won't ask for help. So when, when I met the engineer, I just walked up to him and was just straight up. And like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. Will you help me? And Carl Butch Small, who were, was working at Death Row, the percussionist who played on there, uh, who has a long history and a great producer, I went to him too and said, what's your advice? I don't know what I'm doing. Said, Just <laughs> do what you feel is right. Make the speakers <laughs> sing. And I was like, all right, well, cool. I went in there. And, you, know, I, you know, I thought I was a big, cool producer. So I'm like, hey, Brad, you need some water in there? And she's like, why did you ask that question? Like, <laughs> 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 she goes, my voice don't sound right. I'm like, no, I was just, that's what I thought producers do. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know. I, I you so know, I, I love that you, um... and, and, but you got Mariah and Crazy and the Brat. They know what to do. Who am I? You know what I mean? Like, I, I love that you were so excited about working with the brat, you know, because I mean, she's, she's legendary in my eyes. And sometimes in, in today's world, when we talk about female MCs, I don't think she gets the nod that she deserves. So I, I love that you, you were so excited about that. Do you know why on the thug mentality 99 version, like she got cut out of that? And, and what did you think about the brats <laughs> verse being cut out of that? Oh my God. Um, yeah, I do, but I, you know, I really don't want to say because I don't want to start no shit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, That's you know fair. what? Honestly, is is crazy. Didn't like that verse, and oh, crazy was, was just like, "Why is the brat on this record?" Like he just was kind of like, "Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing for my for my album." See, for both bands, it made sense for us because they they'd kind of work together. I think I think at that point yeah. he had probably no, been on her he like her records and you know, so it so it made he sense. Like as a he just didn't like. He was just kind of like you know he kind of wanted to do the whole thing. Yeah, you know he really yeah. dude crazy said to me one time that that's one of his favorite records that he's ever done, or one yeah, of or, or the favorite you know that he's ever done. You know, so I mean it was like, dude, I remember after we did, I still believe. I went home to my uh, my condo in Burbank, I, and and I sat on the floor with headphones on, and you know it was one of those those deals where I had broken the headphones, and you got to sit there and shake it, and you know you lick it, you do everything to try to make <laughs> oh, yeah. it work, you know what I mean, like all this crap, and I was sitting on the floor, and I literally sat there till 8 a.m. when I had to be at work the next morning, and just listened to it over and over, and said I can't believe that I was a part of this record. 
It's I incredible. can't believe that that's crazy, Bone. I can't believe that. And when the brat said my name, I was like, because I didn't, when she walked in to do her verse, I didn't know what she was going to do. I didn't hear the words. And her and Mariah wrote that together. And Mariah said, put his name in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they had just given me that name. So it was like, it, it just, it was, it was mind blowing for me. For Brat to say my name, Brat, who I was a fan of for so long, Crazy Bone. This is my first record with Crazy Bone. You know what I mean? It was just, it, it was a religious moment for me. It, it sets a standard, I think, for you too. I mean, it, that's such a big record to say this is my first record that it, it really puts you up on a, another tier. Um, and and you wait, know, are you saying that I ain't made nothing hot since? I, I'm <laughs> I'm saying that when you get a grand slam at your first time at plate, that the expectation yeah, will be a grand slam that? every time. <laughs> uh, lucky for you, you've been able to do it. You've done it uh, quite a few times, and and not just with Bone, but but quite a few artists as well. Um, one of the things that I, I, I kind of picked out while I was reading your book, uh, and this is just maybe a minor thing, but when you were talking about that track, you had said that Mariah mentioned something about a thug line deal. And that of course was crazy's label at the time that became the life. Yeah. Do you have any idea what that deal was that she was talking about? Was there going to be some sort of deal between crazy and Mariah? No, thug line, dude, thug line was a partnership between me and crazy. Okay. Wow. Oh. So crazy and so I that's were, that's new for did, me. Okay. We did. Thugline was a label. We did a distribution deal with yeah, yeah. Rifkin. Yeah. And 100%. that's what and that's what um with the song Boyfriend Girlfriend, which is another one of my favorites, that was yeah. on uh, the one where he has the military thing on the cover. What was that? Yeah, Thug on the Line. Yeah, Thug on the Line. Yeah, Thug on the Line. Thug on the Line. That was on through that was through Thugline. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, no, I, mean, I know, I know that it was label. a label, but but I I know that it was a label, uh, and it's been a label, and, and it was and a partnership a, between me and Crazy. So what was 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 what was Mariah talking about? Was she gonna be with you guys on Thug Line? I mean, was that something that was looking like was gonna happen? Well, at that point, Mariah wanted to do anything that I was doing, not to be whatever, whatever, but yeah. she wanted to be a part of everything that I was doing because I was that bringing was, her back. Mm -hmm. That would have been wild. And I was protecting her at the time from Tommy Matola. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what I mean? There was nobody yeah. powerful enough to go against Tommy Matola for her. That, and I saw her through that time. It would have been wild to see uh, Mariah with the with the TL. Uh, that that video, yeah. of course, of, of also got filmed. Were, were you there when the I Still Believe video got filmed? Were you on set? You want to? I'll tell you something funny. I still believe they'll blow your mind. You know, and there's this one little clip where there's two Mexican guys leaning against a wall with sombreros on. Do you know uh -huh. that part? That's yes. me and Steve Lobel. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's me awesome. and Steve Lobel. <laughs> oh shit! And you know what's That's so funny good. is is then you know it was a really hot day. And you'll notice, like, I think there's two clips of it. There's one where there's two, and then there's one where there's one. Steve got really hot and got up and said, screw this, I'm done, walked away. And then Mariah's like, we've got to <laughs> shoot one more scene. Damien, get back over there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do recall it's your – yeah, I do recall you in this now. Not, holy smokes. And, yeah. and you know what's yep. funny is Crazy and I ended up – you know, Crazy and I got in trouble at that video shoot, and Crazy and I disappeared with a couple of girls into one of the sets with a bottle of Hennessy and they were ready to start filming 
And we disappeared with the girls, and Mariah started yelling, and they finally found us. Uh. <laughs> so yes, do, I was do you know? <laughs> do you know why? Uh, what? Why is that video blocked on on YouTube in the United States? No, no one in the United States can watch that. We as Bone fans all miss that video. That's like uh, that's like a big one, and none of us can watch it. Do you know why that's blocked in the United States, but not in other countries? Probably because Mariah's mad at me. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We'll take that. That's, <laughs> she don't. She don't, uh, take, that, she don't take too well. She don't take too well when people break up with her. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just me and yeah. Derek Peter. So what do you want? <laughs> hey. Well, then, then Demiza, you guys fault. got your answer. Demiza uh, <laughs> is why we can't watch. I still believe. <laughs> um, yeah. Not, I, I saw that. Go ahead, John. I was just gonna but say the, the parts in the book. Their favorite record, so screw it. Yeah, oh, it's that. <laughs> I, I was definitely living vicariously uh, through you in the Mariah Carey chapter. I mean, you know, nothing, nothing naughty happens, so was but I. just, like, I was just like, man, <laughs> if I could just be Mariah Carey's pet dog. <laughs> and Dude, here's you know what's so funny, dog? Let, let me tell you a funny story, and this is just, you know, between us and the people listening. Dude, I remember. There's this one, the one day that I realized that I made it is I was laying in bed and I was at Mariah Carey's house and I look over and she's asleep next to me and I shit myself. I swear to God. I looked over. I'm like, who the fuck are you right now? What the fuck is this? Mariah Carey is half-ass naked asleep on the bed next to you. Like, I'm sitting there going, like, what the hell is going – what dimension am I living in? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I get up, and I'm walking through her house, and I look over, and I see Marilyn Monroe's piano. And it had this rope around it so you couldn't, you know, touch it and play it. I move the rope, and I start playing on fucking Mariah's piano, or Marilyn Monroe's <laughs> piano. And I'm like, yo, you're playing Marilyn Monroe's piano in Mariah Carey's house, who you just woke up next to. Who are you right now? And then I pick up my phone. No, is it, this is a true story. So then I pick up my phone, and there's a message from Jay-Z complaining about something. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> I thought it was a dream. I literally thought I was living in a dream. And I, 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 I got dressed because I did it in my boxes. Imagine playing Marilyn Monroe's piano on your block, boxes. And then freaking, you know, I went and got dressed, and I went down, smoked some weed, and then I went downstairs, and I walked around the block and just took in New York. And I'm like, you're in New uh, York, and, like, like, you're in with the queen of New York, the king of New York just called you, you know, I'm trying to put these two together. Oh, that's what he's complaining about. He didn't want to do the Mariah record. And I was like, damn, like, how am I going to get this done? And it just was a moment in time that I couldn't believe it. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, I can't, I can't, like, control this life. Like, there's no way to write this. You know what I mean? And I just want to share it and let people know that, like, this is, you know, consciousness, the way it works, is this manifest destiny. You can have anything you want in this matrix. All you got to do is believe it can happen. Because I am the proof of that. You can't tell me no. Oh. I'll find a way to get it done.
<laughs> you know what I mean? And and you did it over and over again uh, throughout the book. And the part that blew me the way the most, and it was so cinematic, was when you basically said goodbye to Mariah, and you tell her yeah. she's asleep, and you tell her that you love. I, man, I, I my heart was just so broken. But I thought you were such a good man to to let her free. You know, to let. Uh, well, dude, to, to you know, know what? That... I the only thing I was thinking at the time when I said that was fall on the sword. That's what was playing in my head. Like, I get these things, like, it's weird about, you know, and I'm so glad I'm talking to you guys about this because not many people can grasp the consciousness thing. You know what I mean? Not many people really are in touch with themselves and are conscious enough to be awake. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they're drones. Absolutely. They just go through Not their true. lives, and it's on, it's on repeat. And it's the Truman Show. It's fucking Groundhog Day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what they do. Look. But with me, it's, it's like, for instance, in, in that moment, it was like, you have to fall on the sword. They're punishing her because of you. You played your part. Now walk out. Yeah. And she didn't get it. You know what I mean? Because she lives in the moment. For, you know for, what our I mean? listeners, uh, for our listeners, can you, can you kind of just let, let them in on, on what you mean by she, she was paying for, for you, know, you? Can, you? can I just kind of quickly bring them up to speed as to why you had to make that decision with, with Mariah for anybody that hasn't read the book? Well, what happened was is after Glitter and all of that and rebuilding her, um, I sent her to Atlanta and I said, making us your record. And that was... Um, the one that brought her back, uh, We Belong Together, which is actually about me. She says my name to the whole damn record. The, um, wow. And uh, Don't Forget About Us and all that shit. And One and Only and all that. Um, but anyways, it, she, had, she was just about to come back. And all of the radio competitors, the beat, uh, said she was over and they wouldn't play her records because of our relationship. And a lot of MTV and BET were, you know, talking about if the Miz is in the video, you know, we're not doing it. Or just weird stuff was happening. And was and this just because was, you were a competitor with, like, as far as being with power? Yes. So, you know, Kiss FM in Los Angeles, which is their bread and butter for something like that, said if I was involved, they wouldn't play the record. So I had to walk away. You know, and, it, wow. and it's, it's a, that's what's so humbling. You know what I mean? Is I, I, my life is phases. You know what I mean? That was like a phase. That was a moment. That was a scene where I played my part and I got my curtain call. I took my bow and I walked out. You know, it's like, for instance, if somebody was on stage, say an actor playing a lead part or a support part, because I'm a support guy. I'm not ever the lead. I'm always the support. You know what I mean? I come in, I do my job, I leave. But imagine if an actor came out and the lead came out and did their thing and then the support act came out and said, hey, wait a minute. Yo, it's me. I did all this. How would it look? It, it's it's that it was talk, so... Everybody's walking out. <laughs> you know it's, I mean? it's, it's, it's just that it's amazing that you, you didn't behave selfishly. Not that I believe in behaving selfishly. It's just that you were willing to do the right thing and it was at such a big cost. And, and you know what makes that's me upset, what really... though? You know what makes me really upset? And it's the only gripe I have with my entire life is people mistake me like that. They go, he's so selfish. He's so arrogant. Like, ah, you know, to say that or, you know, uh, to do that. or You know, it's like, dude, I've never done something for myself. I've always lived by the saying, I'm a humble servant to the music. That's it. 
I do what's right for the music when it tells me to do it. I have no control over this. So how can you say that? I've given my life to making things better for this format and genre. You wouldn't, some places wouldn't know what hip-hop is if I didn't do what I did with, with Power 106. Can, we can you explain that? Format. Can, can, can you talk about that to the fans? Earlier, you know, John had made the comment to you that he felt like hip-hop had changed a lot, especially hip-hop radio when Demiza stepped away from it. Uh, I, you know, uh, especially since researching you, um, you know, I just feel like you don't get the credit that you deserve for for transitioning and changing hip-hop radio. Can you can you just talk to the, to the Beyond the Harmony listeners about what it was that you did that changed uh, hip-hop radio? Well, when I got into hip-hop, they, they treated it, they said it was a fad, it was going to die. You know, after MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, all that stuff, they were like, this format isn't going to last, it's just a phase, it'll go away. So when I started in hip-hop, you know, I was fighting against the man, <laughs> you know what I mean? And when I got to Power 106 in Los Angeles, I was, I was taking really big chances. You know, for instance, you know, I wanted to play Ain't No Fun in Morning Drive. You know, they said, you can't play that. It costs too much. You know what I mean? I'm, so I made a crazy edit of it, you know, which is a version that's all over the world right now. But anyways, you know, I was doing things like that. So we as a team, big boy, shout out me, you know, Michelle Mercer, Rick Cummings, you know, uh, all of us, Steve Smith, Michael Newman, we applied all of these old radio tactics to hip hop. And we created a format called album-orientated rap because the gold base or the old records weren't deep enough. Like you could, like it was weird. Like I'd play first of the month and then you'd play like Boys to Men and it'd be like, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So it was like, how do we do this? But nobody was asking those questions because they thought that rap was going to die. So when, when they do research or anything like that, they wouldn't put Ain't No Fun in it. But I grew up in hip-hop, so I'm like, these are the passion records. People love these records. They should have been radio records because they were hits in the street. And so I'd apply that thinking. And that's what's missing in rap today is there's nobody that's acting as that connoisseur. They're just trying to do it for ratings. And the problem is, you know, it's like getting money. If you sit there and go, I'm going to go out and get money, you're not going to make no money. If you do what you love, the money will come. Hip-hop is the same way. Music is the same way. Life is the same way. So I just applied those things to radio, and it's not really what we played. It's what was in between. Power was my personality. So it was like an, on, it was an ongoing party. So it was like I would introduce Dre to Snoop, and then I'd take it to the radio station and put them on together. And that's what made it. It was a, it was a fan with a T. It was like almost like you know, showing, it was like my life on TV, but it was just radio. So it was my personality, it was my energy. And you know, the best way to put it is like Big Bear at KCAQ said exactly what you said, hip hop died the day that I left. And the reason why was he said it was my personality. Hip hop had my personality because I brought everybody together. All this crap about people beefing and all that, for instance, East West be fine. Let's get some East Coast artists in here and kill that shit. You know what I'm saying? That's I think you I also um, 
I think you understand the moment, uh, and, and this is something that that not enough people understand, and we don't see enough today just in, in hip-hop in general, but but you understand how important a, a moment is. Dre and Snoop reuniting. When we saw Jay-Z and Nas, you know, after the beef, they were on stage together. These are moments, you know, when, when we see, just now DMX getting out, DMX is about to do a, a you know, a, a dark and hell is hot, re, you know, uh, tour to celebrate that, and they're talking about a Rough Riders reunion. These are the moments that, you know, we as fans live for. And and I think that you yeah. understood that and you pushed for those things to happen because you knew they were important well, and, and somebody and look, had to make them happen. Those things happen every day. There's just not somebody powerful enough to display it. And I was just lucky to have a platform where I could share those moments that were happening on the radio in real time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I was a catalyst. You know, for instance, like, I've never looked at myself as, as anything other than a platform. You know, you look at Ja Rule in that interview on my Instagram, backslash the Mizza, uh, on Instagram, you see a clip of Ja Rule saying, nobody fucked with my shit, I broke in L.A. My boy the Mizza just took the record and ran with it. Because I was a fan of the music. I heard Holla Holla and freaking lost it. You know what I mean? It's no different than Smoothie. It's no different with Ja. It's no different than... Any other artist that I've at Jay Z, you know, because that's why Dame Dash and I, you know, the last project we worked on, shout out Dame Dash, was breaking Jay Z. So it's nothing for me to go to Dame Dash and say, you need to work with Smoothie. You see what I'm saying? It's just another moment, and now you're seeing it online. On Hip Hop DX, is a great story about Justin. And he says, look, this is how it happened. You know what I mean? For so long, look, for so long, you know, he, for instance, what Smoothie said is, why is it an East Coast artist that says Demiza did this for me, but Eminem won't say that? Because their egos, look, the way that artists work is they, they have to feed their ego. They have to say it's because of me. You know, mm -hmm. Dre is not going to say, Snoop is not going to say, this white boy saved my career. And that's right. why Snoop has a problem with me. If I walk into a room, what happens to Snoop? He's got to oh. say, this is the guy, if you know what I mean? Right. And it loses I, right. some of that, you know what I'm saying? One of the things and that we were talking about is, are, they're are not we, that humble. Are, are we right now in music, are we missing out on, we'll just use this as an example, are we missing out on the next Eminem because we don't have a Demiza in, in power to, to break that person through? I wouldn't say it like that because it's like that would be arrogant for me to say. But I, I think we're missing more of the energy of Demiza or Damian Young. Because look, Demiza is a character. People miss that. You know what I mean? I created the Demiza character so that I could do those things. When they told me that I couldn't produce, I, it was a persona, it was something different, it was a character. You know, getting drunk in the middle of the shows and not being able to finish stumbling off the stage. Was it, I got that from Dean Martin. You know, I met yeah. Dean Martin's roadie one time, and Dean Martin, the roadie, had, a, had told me, and I, was, I said, yo, he was always drunk during the show. He goes, that motherfucker was never drunk. He goes, what he'd do is take a glass, put water in it, splash a little Coke, and, walk, and then walk out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, so I, I took those things. And I ran with it. Like, for instance, Mariah on What Would You Do said, okay, let's make a video now. You can really do this. And I'm like, that's not me. I don't want to be a star. 
It was embarrassing to me. That was a reference vocal I did for Shade Shice. He was supposed to do the whole record, and Shade said he didn't like the record. I wrote Shade's verse. You know what I mean? He was well, like, I don't want to do this. If, you know, I don't like it. Well, regarding <laughs> the egos, there's a question I, when I was reading I didn't fully get. I kind of get it now, but uh, in the Jay-Z chapter, when you were trying to put Jay-Z and Mariah together, you said that like their egos wouldn't allow them to sit together, and I don't fully understand why. Like I don't interact with celebrities on a daily basis, so like, like why could why did you have to mediate that and even kind of like trick them to bring them together? Well, what happened was is Jay Z was hot, but it was Hard Knock Lifetime, so he was really hot on the street. He hadn't broken mm-hmm. into other regions like Singapore or you know you know uh, Asia, you know uh, Africa, you know just all the places that Mariah Carey touches. And Mariah was a pop star. And there was this whole thing about her doing rap records and how it was going to ruin her career. But what happened was, is, you know, Mariah is a genius of synergy marketing. You know, she is so, you'll notice that every time, like for instance, there's a picture with her and Cardi B now. It's like any time there's a, uh, a star that comes up that's new and hot, you'll see like Jennifer Lopez, Mariah Carey, you know, these kind of big artists, all of a sudden they'll do a song with the hottest person in the street. That's what keeps the brand going and keeps the younger people in line with their shit. You know what I'm saying? So, for instance, in that situation, Jay was hot on the street. She was a pop star. He said, I can't do it because she's pop and it'll affect my street shit. She said, I can't do it because it'll affect my pop shit. And I was sitting there going like, okay, how am I going to do this? So I was friends with both. And every time I went to New York, uh, it would always be an event. Me, Funkmaster Flex, Mike Kaiser, uh, Kevin Lyles, Lior Cohen, Dame Dash, Jay-Z, Mariah. We'd all get together at different times and eat at a place called Mr. Chow's. So when I was going to go to New York, I said, all right, well, I'm going to get these two together. So I said, look, Mariah, meet me at 7 o'clock at Mr. Chow's. I told Jay-Z, meet me at 7.30 at Mr. Chow's. So I went over, and I was sitting there with Mariah, and I'm like, look, I'm up to something. I'm just telling you right now. And she's like, Demiza, what the hell are you doing? Jay-Z walked in. And she's like, oh, my God. So they all sit down at the table. I go over to the Jay-Z table, and Jay-Z knows exactly what I'm up to. And they're looking at me like, he's crazy. Like, what are you doing? I said, Mariah, come over here and sit down. And I sat sat her down right next to Jay-Z, and I said, Jay-Z, this is Mariah. Mariah, this is Jay-Z. And DJ Clue and Dame Dash were there. And I said, Dame... Jay, you own Rockefeller. DJ Clue produced this record for Mariah. Jay-Z, you need to get on this. And Jay and Mariah told me their, their you know, issues. And I looked at Jay and I said, do you want to get into Singapore? Do you want to get into this market? Do you want to get into that market? And I looked at her and I said, do you want to get into Brooklyn? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do you want to get into these places? And they both kind of went, yeah. So what happened that night is we went to a club in New York. It was me... Her, Dame, Jay, Puffy, uh, Nas, wow. and, and that's wow. what's so funny. It's right. They, we, hate me now. Not that dude. I didn't see any of that because Nas and Puffy and I were holding crystal bottles arm in arm, like literally. Uh, Puffy was on one arm, Nas was on the other, and we were dancing to "Hate Me Now" on the table. <laughs> with a bottle of crystal in my hand around puffy's uh, neck 
that I took from him. And I took his Rolex, too, and I was raving it in the air and all this kind of stuff. And so, I, I mean, at that moment, you know, I've had those moments, too, that are crazy. But, but we were all together, and in that moment, when I walked away to go freaking get crazy with Nas and Puffy, there was freaking Jay and Mariah talking in the club. And I looked across the club, and I'm like, damn, it's going to get done. But I had to leave early the next morning, so I jetted off, and they went to the studio. Oh. And that's how that record happened. Wow. Now, was speaking that of same, Jay. Real quick, was that the same night that, that I guess somebody wanted Snoop on it, and so you, you told Jay-Z you were going to call Snoop, and he's like, well, you can't just call him like that. And then you call Snoop, and yeah. you put him on the phone with Jay-Z. Now, by any chance, did you – Get to see how Jay Z broke the ice with Snoop because when I was reading it, I was like, "Gee, what do you what do you say well, in your let, first?" This like, is what okay. happened. This is what happened. This is what was funny about it. He said, "I want to meet Snoop Dogg. I want to talk to Snoop Dogg." I said, "All right." I called Snoop and I said, "All right, yo, uh, this is the Mizza. Da 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 da. Hold on, here's Jay Z." And Jay Z hung up the phone. He goes, "I can't <laughs> just fucking talk to Snoop like that." <laughs> you know, I, I, you gonna put me on with Snoop like that? Dog, that's what's up. Like, how are you going to put me on the spot like that? And I was like, whatever. So, so I didn't think anything of it. And then a couple weeks later, Jay calls me, and he's like, dude, we, it's time to talk to Snoop. I want to bring him out. I'm doing Hot 97 Summer Jam, and I want to bring him out. And look, that was one of the things that killed the East-West beef, too, is he said, look, I want to bring Snoop out. And you know what a funny story about that was? Is I put him on the phone together, and Snoop was doing his little arrogant thing because he can be like that. And he was on the phone, and he says to Jay, yeah, just send the private jet, and I'll do that. And I was like, this motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, it's so important for hip-hop for this to happen, and this dick is making freaking. Like, this is great for hip-hop. Don't you get it? You know, but Snoop is like that. Like, even when we did Cry Baby, he's like, come to the house and do it. I'm like, your lazy ass wouldn't even come to the studio? I'm paying you 250 grand to do this. You know what I mean? Like, you so, know, there's those moments, too. I don't want to talk shit, but that's kind of the way it is. Well, well, uh, well while we're on Jay-Z, I, I had two last questions about that chapter from the book. And, and okay. one of them was, Jay-Z, the, you put together Jay-Z with this beat that Nate Dogg was on. And Jay-Z liked yeah. it at the beginning, but then at the last minute, he wanted Nate Dogg removed from Wet Your Lips. And I'm thinking, who yeah. would want Nate Dogg removed from anything? Like, what? He just what, didn't did, like what he, he just... did. Oh. How could anybody not like Nate Dogg? I always wanted to do a record with Nate Dogg. He said, <laughs> and he goes, just take him off, and I'll use it for the blueprint or whatever that record was, or Black Album or something. And I was like, you want me to take a West Coast star? And see, that was a problem at the time. That was a little arrogant of me. But I was, I was like such a West Coast guy. And, you know, breaking all of those stereotypes and doing all that on one side. But I still had this, like, I was real loyal to Nate Dogg. Nate Dogg, rest in peace, was a huge mentor for me. So I took it as disrespect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, yo, you want me to take a West Coast artist off? And you're talking like that to me? Fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I, you said you wanted to beat Nate's on it. Get on this motherfucker and let's go. Well, I don't like what he's saying. Well, cool. I don't like what you're saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, wow. and, you know I mean? And, now, and, now that, 
and now that I know that you have a you know a, a profound understanding of things, I was just curious that if you had this written specifically this way for like a a double triple entendre, you said, but when they separated and Jay Z took over as president, this is the part about uh, Jay and and Dame, when they separated and Jay Z took over as president of Def Jam, the magic, as far as I'm concerned, went off into the ether. Now, the yeah. use of the words magic and ether, was that intentional or were you just using normal language? That was 100% what you think it was. Okay. Awesome. I knew it, man. That's great. I mean, you know, you talk about dimensions and shit. I get that shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like when I – look, here's – to get weird on you, I, look, I live two lives. When I go to sleep and I'm, and I'm not conscious of this world – I know I'm doing something in another. Ah, right. And I just don't remember that. Now, and I was thinking to myself the other day, and this is the new thought that's been running in my head, is why don't I know what I'm doing when I go to sleep? Because I know it's a dimension transfer. And that's what dreams are. One third are. of your life. Yeah, you we spend one third of our right. lives. One third of our lives well, is spent dude, in the dream world. And, and that's the thing. Maybe we're conscious in another dimension or time zone or whatever when you go to sleep because that shit is magic. When you go to sleep, it's magic. Why do you go to sleep? You know what I mean? It's avatar. If you really think about it. And if you don't I've, think you can manipulate, I mean, if you go to, what, what's it called, Surdy or whatever the hell, and, uh, where they're smashing atoms and freaking... Oh, CERN. Yeah, know, CERN. CERN and all that kind of... If you don't think that they can freaking crack that shit, you're crazy. You have the freaking United States government with the military that's had close to 50 years of unlimited budgets and unlimited resources to sit there and mess with frequencies, consciousness. I mean, if you go to the Freedom for Information website, it's right there. If you go and look up consciousness on the CIA website, it'll give you a printout and the, the, the uh, report on consciousness. You can mess with dimensions if you want to. You think you unintentionally have been messing with dimensions to create the, the great life that is Damien Young? You know what? I don't think it's messing with dimensions. and I don't think it's manipulation. What I really think is the power of Look, I'm going to say this right now, and I don't want you to like, think I'm crazy, but I will be president of the United States someday. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. I you got my it. vote, man. No, I'm going to run for Congress campaign next, team. Year, or next year. I'm going to run for Congress next year, just so you know. If not or next in year, Calif the year after. In California? Or? In my district. In my district. In Santa Barbara. Wow. That's awesome. And then take it from there. But, I, but look, there's something that... It's weird. Like, I feel, I've always felt that my life will end up in the White House. You know what I'm oh. saying? And, be, and bring people together. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't, mm -hmm. and actually, I don't know if it'll be president, but it'll be something in that space that, that whether I'm the side guy or the guy next to the president that explains how to bring people together. You know what I'm well, saying? Yeah, absolutely. And it it's was something just a weird that I thing. So to answer your question, no, it's not that, but it is manifest destiny. It is if you go to the CIA website and you look up consciousness, it tells you that basically your world, you can 
make it true whatever your dream is because the system the way that it's set up is is how do i word it is subject to your drive for instance what what happened with smoothie what happened with with justin and his dream of making it happen to get kanye to freestyle on those beats he never gave up and that was his main he didn't let anything get in the way of that you know what i mean he kept going and kept going kept going till it happened and that's really what it is is whatever this universe is whatever god is puts a thought in your head and if he puts that thought in your head then it can happen it's just i remember standing on my driveway and saying god I want to freaking work with Bone. I want to meet Michael Jackson. I want to work with this person. Blah, 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 blah. This is what I want. And I would say that every night. Pray it. Pray it. And it happened. I um, had noticed. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, Cecil. I, I, I was going to say, I, I, I generally don't uh, don't try to, to do this to, to guests, and, and I just let them uh, just, uh, you know, tell me their story. But your your story impacts me in such a big way that I actually have a story I want to tell you uh, that you know right. my our listeners have, have heard it a few times, but I, I think that uh, it, it'll be important and uh, it all has to do with what we're talking about. John and I are, are big believers in exactly what you're saying. Uh, I, I very much believe you you put it into the universe, you you believe it and and you uh, no, you the believe it and practice it. In it. You. Yeah, the universe it, it, it is you. true. <laughs> you know we. We as people are are so powerful, and and my first real taste of this was, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, very young kid, I I really got into into this, into Bone, and and just you know just loved their music, and I remember standing in my mother's uh, in my mother's kitchen, and I, and I would sit there and and I would perform these bone songs in my mother's kitchen and, and and I would just you know my whole family knew how much I was into it and and I remember my grandmother uh you know the the greatest just person to ever enter my life would would bring me to uh the the Sam Goody which was the local the, the closest place where we could get records <laughs> Sam and, uh, Goody. Yeah, and and Gram, Grammy would bring me to Sam Goody to get bone, and and at that time I didn't even have a Walkman, so we were in her Cadillac, and and we would get the tapes, and That's and so as soon funny, as I would get it, had a Cadillac too. <laughs> yeah, you're, you when I read about your grandmother, it reminds me a lot uh, a lot about mine, and that's why I want to tell you this is. She she would let me listen. I, I would say, Grandma, I just got this, and I, and I just want to listen to it. And our house was like forty minutes away, and uh, you know, so she she would pop it in, and she didn't understand what i saw about you know bone or or even rap but but the she learned who bone was because she remembered that they were the fast ones that that she couldn't understand so out of all the rap <laughs> that i made her listen to she knew bone well <clears throat> as i as i grew older uh what i do outside of this is uh you know i i run my own production company i i talent book um i, I actually am an agent for you know just a couple local acts and and i used to be in an a-, a group myself and and we were uh in a festival situation where we, where we got the opportunity to book busy bone and uh you know we we ended up doing a song with busy bone as well and when we brought him out to the show i i was able to negotiate uh hey if we do the song we need him to do it live with us and and they really pushed back on it because they were like busy doesn't want to learn new stuff and and I and I, and I just stayed true to I really need this to happen if we're, we're going to do it and uh, thankfully he did it and my grandmother was yeah. uh, she had, was just about to turn ninety one and my grandmother has wow. seen everybody Elvis the right Rat now. Pack 
oh, God bless her because it, you know, so l- <laughs> luckily my, you know, my, my, um, my grandmother saw so many amazing acts. I mean, <clears throat> Aerosmith, the Rolling Stones, Elvis, but the last thing that my grandmother saw was me perform with with Busy Bone and we moved her to the front of the stage in a golf cart and she saw me perform with Busy Bone wow. uh, in front of her. And she remembered bringing that. me to get those tapes. And and it's the last show, I w- I was, I'm so blessed that the last show out of everything she saw was to see me and Busy Bone and, and me to live that dream out. And I got that by putting that into the world and saying that's what I yeah. wanted. So your story reminds me so much about that. And I really felt like I had to tell you that because uh, it, it's so much. And like I said, when I read about your grandmother, it really, it reminds me of, of Dude, mine. Let me, she, she pushed me let for me, this. Let me, let me say one thing. Let me give you one little thing. I totally identify with that because I remember this one day, I was sick and I was home from school. And I was sick as hell, but the new Beastie Boys record came out, and I was flipping mm. out, and I was like, damn it, you know, License to Ill came out, oh my God, you know, today I'm sick, you know, I can't go anywhere, and I told my grandma, and I was so sad about it, she's like, and I remember her big yellow Cadillac, and she freaking <laughs> grabbed me and said, we're going to Sam Goody. <laughs> and I was, wow! I was over the moon, and I remember uh, pulling in to Sam Goody, and so happy and proud that my grandma was going to empower my musical bullshit. That she knew that as soon as I got that record, the house would be filled with that at a loud volume, and she put up with that. And I love my grandma so much because she she never told me to turn it down. Yeah. Mine was you know, the same way. The she, she embraced my love the, for and it. The, and the Sirwin Vega B35Cs with 18-inch woofers and freaking turntables and playing it on a 45 and maximum volume in her living room. You know what I'm saying? And, <sighs> and just, this is your dream. I'm going to empower it. I mean, my grandma used to sleep in the parking lot at the radio station when I was 12 years old. You know, she wasn't yeah. just going to leave me at some radio station. So she slept in the parking lot while I did my thing. You know what I mean? That, like, part, that part really touched me when I read that. that I was yeah. like, wow. And it was after she worked two shifts. She worked like two yeah. shifts and then would drop you off at the radio station. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, sleep, in, sleep in the car and then literally drop me off at the house and go to her next gig at 6 a.m. You know what I mean? When you like, talk about your grandmother, uh, you know, I, I, I hear you talk about the value she put into you. I, I remember, uh, <clears throat> I believe it was Edie, I mean, you did an interview and you showed up in the suit and, and you, you know, you told him why it was important that you wore a suit. And and I really can respect that the values that your your grandmother gave you and, and just, uh, you know, the environment that she raised you in. When you transitioned into hip hop, was there a lot of you know, culture shock and a lot of adjustment for you from what grandma had taught you to, to kind of surviving in this jungle that we know is hip hop? Um, my grandma taught me not to be afraid of anything. You know, my grandma said, my grandma taught me how to interact with people. First, you mentioned Edie. I mean, first off, shout out to Edie and Sinatra. You know, that's management. So, you know, it's a respect thing. I love those guys. And Edie's a freaking legend. No matter how you look at it, hit him up, whatever, whatever. But he's taught me a lot. He's a great human being. Like, when I told him that I wanted to run for Congress, (laughs) like, he was like, you're crazy, but he came to the meetings. You know, when I went to D.C. with Sinatra, you know, manager extraordinaire he introduced me to all of the dc people people don't realize how powerful sinatra and Edie are in this business 
You know what I mean? They are great mentors. You know what I mean? You know, Sinatra is younger than me, but his passion is older than me. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't want to interrupt, but I just Come realized, on. I just realized just now, you and I have met, and, and I just realized it, and I'm going to tell you how we've met and, and when this happened. And, mm -hmm. and you won't remember it, but I just realized. So when I was 17, uh, I got invited out to California, and I, I rocked a small tour with an artist named Juan G. W-O-N G. <laughs> and Juan G yeah. brought me to power, uh, out to power. And, and, and I met the outlaws. I, I was, uh, spent a bunch of time around Edie. I mean, and when he brought me out to power, I, I just realized <clears throat> that I, I, I met you. Well, I, I met a bunch, a bunch of people while, while I was there. Uh, we were at power for a couple hours and I have to look through it. Now I was just thinking about the pictures that were taken that day. I met Dave Chappelle that day as well. And uh, oh, wow. I I Wait, fucking I met, met you in inside of power. <laughs> so that's crazy. I, I was, was just power? thinking about that. No, he this was all in one day. Wanji had oh, whipped me like, around damn, everywhere. I don't even remember but, that. Yeah, no, this was like uh, fuck, where was we were probably at the mall when we met Dave Chappelle. And we had just left Power, and we'd spent a couple hours at Power, and I can't remember what his name was. Uh, and you're gonna know as soon as I describe him. He's a really big, tall guy, and he helped uh, on Regulators. Um, he helped produce on Regulators, and I had just met him uh, outside of Power 106. And uh, oh. yeah, I was I was 17. Um, Do see dreams come true. Yeah, I, yeah. I spent a lot of time. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. You know what the uh, coolest like, how that, that crossed reminds over. Me of a story. That reminds me of a story, a really cool story, if you don't mind. Um, you know Cassius, right? Yeah, absolutely. He was signed to Eminem. Yeah. And this is a crazy story. Like, okay, so I'm I I um I had a lot of problems with Eminem over the Mariah shit. And we were beefing kind of hard. And, you know, I didn't really know where it stood. But Young B was going to do a record with Cassius, a whole album. And they went and did that stuff, and, we, you know, we did it. I, I produced most of that stuff. Um, people really don't know, Young D I trained too. So Young D used to sleep on my couch and recorded all of those mixtapes in my, in my little brother's room, actually. Wow. And um, he says, yo, come to the studio and meet Cassius. I was a little nervous about it because I'm like, okay, Eminem and I don't really get along. How is Cassius and I going to get along? You know what I'm saying? Like, is he going to, you know, be, you know, kind of weird towards me because of Eminem and all this kind of stuff. Too shady, right. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I had done this beat that's on the, uh, that's on that mixtape. I forgot the name of it. Oh, Kane Route, where it's like, doom, 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 like this, you know, Eminem sounding record. And he, 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 it was weird. You know, I met him. He's like, look, I'm going to squash that shit between you and Shady. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. You know, I didn't really think much about it or whatever, whatever. So some time goes by. And on Twitter, uh, Cassius hits me up. And he's like, yo, where do you live? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> and he's like, what's your address? <laughs> and I'm like, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and he goes, I want to come up and see you. And I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. You know what I mean? Like. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I cleared the house. I was just going to talk to him one-on-one -on -one as a man. You know what I mean? There was maybe one other person, two other people that lived here. You know what I mean? At grandma's house. And I was like, you know, fuck, it's going to go down. 
You know what I mean? I thought he was going to come talk to me about the JD shit. So he shows up, and he and the first thing I see is he gets out with his kids, and I'm like, okay. And he gets out with like burgers and stuff. They stopped at In and Out down the street. He's like, you want something to eat? And I was like, okay, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're all sitting there at the table eating. You know, I'm like. Okay, why are you here? You know what I mean? Like, you know, are you here to do a record? Like, like, what's going on? And he pulls me aside and he goes, I wanted to talk to you. I said, about what? And he's like, I want to thank you. And I said, what? And he goes, I was hanging out with Corrupt one day. Corrupt says, we're going to go up to power and see Miss. I didn't know who that was. We get up there and you're going through, you knew, and the Corrupt and I are really close. So, you know, I'm giving him shit. I know I'm a tri-star, you know all the guys in the group, Roscoe, we basically raised, you know, all this kind of crap. So I guess Cassius was standing in the back, and I'm like, who the fuck are you? And he goes, my name is Cassius. I said, what the fuck do you do? And he said, I'm a rapper. <laughs> and I said, all right, well, let me hear your shit. And he goes, I don't got it on me. And I said, don't ever come to the radio station and I have your shit. And I walked away. And he said that that moment inspired him and pushed him Wow. To do better as a rapper. And he just came up to say thank you. Wow. And then he said, let's go do a record. So wow. a lot of those moments, yeah, I don't remember. I'm meeting people and, you know, things like that. People are like, you're a dick. You don't remember me. Dude, do you know how many people I met with power? You know oh, I'm I mean? sure. Like, it must be crazy. You know, I mean, it, it was, was crazy we just the day Adam I was there Levine. for a couple hours. We were watching Adam Levine on the Super Bowl. And it was funny because when Maroon 5 first came out, Craig, who was his bodyguard at the time, brought him up to power. So I was sitting there with Adam Levine, and he's like telling me his shit. And it's like kind of no up-tempo techno shit. And I was like, look, that's not really what we do, but the shit sounds really good. You're going to be a star. And he's like, you think so? I'm going to be a star? And now I'm watching him on the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Crazy. So it's like, you know, it's you, um, moment. That, that, that must have happened so, and the, my listeners are going to kill me that I'm, I'm not jamming out all these bone questions I have, but, but that just sprung we'll get to me them. to say. I, you know, I got another, fit. That, I got another about 15, 20 minutes. So let's, that, let's wrap this up and let's get back in the bone and then, no, <laughs> let's knock it out. That, that just sprung me to, you know, think that the way you just said that is, uh, he, he must have repeatedly saw that happen so many times in your life. You know, somebody that was just whatever, and, and then they're a superstar. Well, I mean, look at look at Justin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you watch Justin now, he's going to be one of the hottest producers on the West Coast now. I mean, he's doing yeah. shit with Kanye. And that's just another moment where, look, I'm lucky, dude. I'm the guy you meet right before you blow up. That's the way it is. You know what I mean? I'm lucky enough to be that. If you ever listen to Six Feet Deep when I said, you know, the thing about, you know, because I could make or break your career, young dude. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you can put up with my regiment and you can deal with me as hard as I am in training people, and it's like boxing, bro. That's the way it works. This is a training facility. If you can put up with the hits, I'll make you a star. If you are a star, mm, but if you play that's that the game, big one. you ain't gonna make it. But there's nobody. Look at Young D. Look at Ja Rule. Look at freaking Smoothie. Look at freaking any of them. Look at what happened when when we came in. Look at Cassius thing. Look at any of them. 
There's just something magic in music that happens around me. It's not because of me, but I'm a conduit and, a, and an impasse. I can sit there and tell you what you need to make it. If you're arrogant and you're not humble enough to take that and make it work, then you'll fuck yourself off. And it's not just in music. Like, there's so many other things and other people that I've helped accomplish their dreams. But you don't hear about it because they're not famous. My gift is bringing people together. So I can sit there and go, smoothie, I'll introduce you to the sequence of events that will bring you to Kanye West if you can follow it and understand that it will take a year or two to do. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yes. million percent. Uh, and I can tell them straight up, look, it'll take you two years, it'll take you five years, it'll take you one year, but you got to do this. And I can see the whole path. That's the gift, is I can see someone's whole path if they follow the line. After talking to them for 15 minutes or so. It's just whether do they, do they want to listen. Something talks through me, bro. It's not, it, it's not me. I wish I could be as arrogant to say it's all me. You know what I mean? But I have this gift where someone can sit there and talk to me, and I go, all right, here's your path, and tell them how to win. It's a gift. Like, for instance, when I was doing the, um, uh, the book stuff, and I was going on tour, I was doing all these universities and all this, I'd sit there, and I'd look at the crowd and go, all right, you do this. All right, well, you do this. You two talk. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And some of those people you'll never know, but they made it. Wow. In different genres. You know, like an yeah. art guy wants to do this. Okay, well, I'll connect you with this. You know, and that's like how, you know, just doing that kind of stuff is what got me to everybody from Stephen Greer on down. Wow. Because, because if you sit there and talk, and you can talk intelligently, and you're in touch and, with, and in tune with this universe, which I really am lucky enough to be, you can make anything happen. It all comes down to communication. All of it is communication and surrendering. And people have a problem with that word, surrender. So they'll never make it. Their ego gets in the way. The Look, there's three voices in your head. There's the good one. There's a bad one. The good one tells you where to go. And if you listen to it religiously, you will win. There's the bad one, which is the quick fix that has the long-term fuck-up. And then there's the middle voice that's you that negotiates the two. You can sit there, and that's the ego. So if you can let your ego go and listen to the voice that's guiding you, you will win. It's just people don't trust that. And what people don't realize is that's the communication. There's something in this universe that tells you the right direction to go every step of the way. If you listen to it, it'll work. If you don't, you're going to fuck yourself off. One of the uh, your things silence, I know you you know it's true. <laughs> oh, oh it, like, like I said, it's a it's a regular theme uh, between John and I that that we talk about, and, and sometimes we feel like we are the the crazy hosts for for some of the shit that we say on here. Um, but it, it's amazing because more and more of our guests, uh, you know, identifies that it, it's it's weird how much in music we see the people that that align and, and have those same views. Uh, I see in music a lot, um, 
I something well, I, and, I tell my and, listeners. And sorry, sorry to interrupt, but but to, what you just said is really important. The thing, wrapping this back into bone, the thing about bone is they are the most intelligent and smartest motherfuckers on the planet. They look disjointed. They look this and that. It's because of the clash of creativity. Their creativity is so deep and mm. so great. You have to have somebody to negotiate it. And what's so dope is like, for instance, if you go back to the early production, you know who I'm talking about? Oh, you need. Come on, say it. You need, you oh, come on, DJ Unique, of course. Kinu. Kinu genius. Unique is a fucking genius. And yeah. all I did was study Unique and follow it. I mean, I give the credit to Unique all the time. I'm just a carbon copy that, that freaking followed his plan. You know what I'm saying? And I told him that when I met him. And I wanted That's to what the fans we were want. Gonna do, we were actually going to do a record with me and Unique and both. Wow. And he sent me some beats and we started the process and then it all fell apart. But the problem is, is, is with Bone, you have to have somebody that they respect that sits in the room and says, okay, let's negotiate the creativity because it clashes in the room. You know what I mean? It, it's crazy with them because it's so, they have so many ideas that you have to edit them. You know what I'm saying? You have to reel them in. You have to direct them. Like more than thugs, it, people don't realize I pretty much wrote that record. You know, they wrote their verses and whatever, whatever. But the the beginning of it, for instance, the the choke, 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 and the mo thug, mo thug, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Uh. Because remember, mo thug, you know, Lazy wasn't saying that shit no more. You know what I mean? So I, I said, look, I want Mo Thug, Mo Thug. You know, I, this is me painting as a Bone fan. So I painted the picture of Bone that's in my head. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. But it, that's, it, 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 but that's you know, Bone. They're it the is. Most intelligent and, people on the planet. And Crazy Bone, look, Crazy Bone and Busy are the, the two that I know the best. And Lazy is my boy, too, and Wish. And, and I just met Flesh and you know, all of this kind of stuff. But... But Crazy is the leader. Crazy is a genius. Crazy yeah. was writing that double rap style on toilet paper in a fucking prison. You know what I mean? Like, that's how the style was created. You know, I asked him one time, how did you come up with this? And he goes, I was sitting in jail, and I'm writing on toilet paper, and I came up with the style. You know what I'm saying? And then everybody, all of his friends, his boys, Bone Thugs and Harmony, followed it. You know, and, and Busy's great, too. But, you know, Busy was funny. The unreleased uh, movie with uh, Bone, the documentary. that uh, St. Yeah, I'm not going to get into why that screwed up uh, because of the same manager that Busy was talking about. Um, it, it, when I did that interview, Busy sat there and watched me intently. He did not walk away during my interview. And it was an hour-long interview. And afterwards, he walked up to me, and he just kind of looked at me, and he was like, that's right, and walked away. You know, I mean, he, he takes – what I'm saying is, is Busy takes everything in. Like, for instance, it took that long to work with him, and then he went back and studied what I did and then said to Mizza, what do you want to do? What's wrong – the exact quote that Busy said to me when, I, when he said that, he goes, to Mizza, what's wrong with my group? Mm. That's the way he said it. 
And I said, I think, uh, you don't want to ask me that because I'm going to tell you. You know what I mean? Like, and then he said, what record do you want to create? And that's I, saw footage of, um, I, saw, I saw footage of you and, and Busy uh, in, in your studio, and, and you were showing them a uh, – it was the early version of Coming Home, the one that had TQ, and it sounded like there were already yeah. some crazy bone uh you know drops on it uh so it, it looked like that was like pre-new waves like you were almost the guy instigating this this uh this crazy busy duet album uh to happen so that's what i want to jump into it is new waves and, well let's wait let's and talk what... about coming home for a minute let's do because that's what started it let's talk about coming home i'm sitting there in my apartment and i heard the chords for an aerosmith record <laughs> and i think it was uh uh, don't want to miss a thing. That's where coming home came from. And keep wow. in mind, there's nothing new under the sun. So you take something that's already a hit and you make it yours. That's what makes a hit. Something that's familiar but not. So there's only so many chords in the world. So I heard those chords. Those inspire me. I sit there and I do it. And I start thinking the song is named Coming Home. And I sang it into my freaking recorder, my little voice recorder. And yeah. I was... Boom, 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 coming home. <laughs> you know, like all this kind of stuff. And I walk up to Cray and I'm like, look, I got this idea. Here's the beat. This is the concept. This is what I want to do. And he's like, all right, Miz. And I'm like, look, this is the intro I want to do. Boom, boom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's how that started. And that was the offshoot of, um, of More Than Thugs. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so coming home connects to more than thugs. Is that, is that did I just hear that correctly? Well, and and you're exactly right. So so like what I did was, and what I do with Bone is I get a piece from Crazy, then I go too busy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I go, here's what I did with Crazy. This is what I want you to do. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, you're right. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. T tell me about coming home then, because it sounds like it started as, and, and we as fans have gone through so many transitions with this track. It, it sounds like it started as Crazy and Busy and TQ. Uh, around yeah. the time the Cavs won, the version that we heard was TQ and all of Bone. And then, of course, it ended yeah. up on New Waves on a brand new beat. Uh, TQ is, um, of course, replaced with Marley, Stephen Marley. Um can can you just tell hey, us and look, bring look, us through these transitions? Happened. This is just the real shit. Let me just tell you the real shit. Steve Lobel was against More Than Thugs. I was on my way to the radio station to play More Than Thugs on the first time. And I and I look, I love Steve Lobel to death, but he's a he's a closet hater. So he was like, no, 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 you're not going to do this. So me and Jamie Adler got on the phone with freaking Steve Lobel, and I had to stop on the way to the radio station in Ventura. And there's this hotel on the freeway. The, the Holiday Inn, and I walked to the beach through the Holiday Inn and sat there and argued with Steve Lobel with Jamie Adler, and Jamie Adler is the one that made that record happen. If it wasn't for Jamie Adler, that record never would have been released. So Jamie Adler sits there, and if you don't know, you guys know Jamie Adler. He's the absolutely the, yeah yeah the agent, and the, you know, one of the greatest minds in the music business. I yeah, mean, he is 100%. a great guy. So he fought for it. And we played it on the radio once, and then it took off from there. Because Steve said, it's old, it sounds like crap, it'll never make it, they need a new sound, da 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 and had every reason in the world for this record not to play. And I'm like, whatever. So the record takes off, 
And then all of a sudden, everybody wants to be back with Bone. Because all of a sudden, it's number one for 14 weeks at independent radio on MediaBase. So then everybody says, oh, we can make some money off of Bone. <laughs> so now, let's all take over and be in control of Bone. <laughs> so it went from, Demiza, go make whatever you want. I'm introducing you to Busy. I didn't really think anything would come of it. Now, here we go. Wait a minute. Let's go find a deal for it. Let's take control of it. And I'm in the middle of meetings for distribution with Brian Shafton and talking to him at RBC about releasing this Demiza Presents Bone album. And the first single is More Than Thugs. The second single is Coming Home. With, with all of Bone on it. With all of Bone. Mm. And I'm putting it together. You know, I mean, you know, the flesh thing, all of that on one I mean, we had it popping. Wish was ready to do it. Like, we had the whole, that's why Wish and Flesh were in the video. We, we were going to ask if there's a version with, with Wish and Flesh, you know, on it. The only one that didn't do it was Flesh. And I think he actually did it. I just don't have it. Like, he did it, and then he never sent it because the record was already, you know, doing what it was doing. Same thing with Flesh. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, you know. It was funny because even with the video, like, it was really hard to get done. You know, and everything I had to work for. Like, for instance, they didn't want to um, – oh, shoot, my battery's dying. I only got a few more minutes. But, the, but the, the, the thing, like, even with the video is I literally got on that bus, went to – Mr. Criminal shot that video, by the way. Shout out to Mr. Criminal. Yeah. I was – who's a great – I mean, his creativity just has no bounds. So we, and he rode with me on this, so I really appreciate it. We all got in, in the bus, drove to San Diego where they were performing, and everybody literally told me, no, they're not going to do this. They have a show. So I walked backstage. I mean, I just walked past security. I was like, I don't give a fuck. And, and their road manager, God bless him, walked me through uh, to them. And I walked up, and I walked up to all of them. I said, yo, y'all fucking doing this video. And they're like, what video? And I'm like, more than thugs. And Wish looks over at me and goes, man, I ain't even on that song. I said, I don't give a fuck. You're getting in a video. And he's like, all right, man, whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? And then Flesh was like, hell yeah, let's do this. You know, and, and Flesh is a great guy, by the way. And we all get in, and I love what Flesh is doing. The, the Mexican bomb or whatever. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> was oh, hilarious. My <laughs> oh, that. my so God. Oh, my God. The series Yo, is too great. Cool. But, but it was so cool because we got in the, the bus and then it was just that magic. Like you see him smiling and having fun and smoking and all that. Once, it's oh, like, yeah. dude, there's a funny story. My, my Turkish grandma, not the grandma I live with, hated taking a shower. But she loved getting it. But once she was in the shower, she loved it. And that's a great way to put it. Uh. Nobody likes to think about doing it. But once they're in the moment, it's fire. So once yeah. <laughs> we were in the bus, and, you know, you see Lewis in the back, and you see, you know, me, they, they had me come out on stage and introduce them. You know what I mean? Like, that's how it is. Once they get in the moment, there's a fire, and it feels right, and then it gets natural momentum, and then there's yeah, no stopping how did, it. How did you get Crazy Bone out of his shell in that, in that video where, where it's you and him and Steve Lobel talking to the camera, and Crazy's like, more enthusiastic and more talkative than we've ever seen him before. What, what was going on? Well, well, Crazy and I have such a great history. 
You know what I mean? And, and you know, he calls me Charlie Brown, and I call him all kinds of names. But, but like, you know, we're friends. So it's like I poke at him until I get what I want out of him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's that was really just what happened. Was was Bottle Service going to be the third song after Coming Home and, and More Than Thugs? Or did you guys have a third song slated? Or did things you know just start to... You about Bottle Service? Is bottle Service was a joke. Like, I took, I took New Order and looped it and just had fun with it. And Crazy heard it. And, like, I, and, and we were joking around. And Busy was there, actually. And Busy looks over at me and he goes, Demizzi, you're fucking nuts. You know, I'm, what are you thinking of this? Like, I can't even, I can't even think of something. I'm like, yo, it's a bottle service record. You know, that's the record you play when the girls come out with the sparklers. And he's like, I'm not doing no techno shit. You're crazy. And I'm like, come on, B, let's do this. And I, and I, I literally wrote those parts. Everything, the, everything but the da-da-da-da-da and all of that stuff from the original version I, is pretty much, I wrote it. And I said, this is what I want you to do because... He was like, uh, and Jamie Abbott was there, and he's like sitting there saying, Miz, you're crazy. I can't believe you're getting busy to do this. But it sounds amazing. <laughs> we love that you know song, I mean? by the way. And, it, and it's look, one of our bottle favorites. Bottle Service actually was the catalyst, because when I got busy and crazy, or busy to do Bottle Service, Crazy heard it, got on it. They literally looked at me and just went, okay, we might have some records here. This sounds uh-huh. different. And then the other manager came in, and I'm not even going to say his name, but he came in, and then everything went to shit. It was like, takeover, we're going to do it this way, we're going to make it Swedish, and, you know, this, that, and the other. And it was like, basically, you're out, we're taking over. And then, wow. when, and then the leak of coming home on the day that, see, we were supposed to start recording new waves on this one day. And I'm on my way to the studio, and I get a call from this whatever and Steve Lobel, and they're like, you leaked coming home. You sabotaged this record. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And one of the Bone fans hit me up and told, him, told me, the, the, the other guy, the other manager gave him that record to sabotage me. Ooh. And, that's, and that is why I did not produce the record. At that you, point, I gave up. New waves you're talking about. That's why you ended yeah. up out, out of the new waves. Wow. Hey, you know, so let me just make sure. I just want to ask a clarification piece. Uh, initially, it was Demiza Presents, and and it sounds like that was going to be with the full five bone bone members. And at some point, yeah. it, it transitioned into new waves, and it became just crazy and busy. Was was the transition to just crazy and busy after you were out, or were you there when when it was kind of decided this was going to become just a crazy and busy record? Well, it was going that direction anyway, because they convinced me that everybody wanted to hear a crazy and busy album. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But you know, the it was a trip, dude. I really can't explain it because. At the time, you know, it, it was happening so fast and so many people were getting involved and I was kind of like fed up with it because, you know, it's kind of like, look, I created this momentum. You're not, it's a perfect example of what we were talking about. If you listen and do it this way, it will work. But they wanted to take it and make it theirs so that they could 
manipulate the money. I mean, I, down to the publishing. For instance, I got my publishing statement from coming home, and all of a sudden, on my publishing, they convinced me to give up a bunch of my publishing because other writers came in, Stephen Marley, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, why is it my publishing? You know, why are you taking publishing from the music for a lyric? And they're like, and well, we're going to put this other, other publishing on it. We're going to put other people producing the record. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're going to reproduce my record? And they're like, yeah, it's going to sound different. And I was like, the one you did sounds dated. I was like, oh, excuse me. It's just the reason why you guys want to do a record now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you're telling me that it sounds dated, but that's what got you here? And the song was <laughs> you your idea. I mean? Like, yeah. And I, I mean, I wrote most of it. So I'm like, okay. Like, and then I get my publishing statement and Steve Lobel and this other manager have publishing like they wrote the damn record. Wow. And that money or that publishing that I gave up went to these two guys. It wasn't for other writers. It was so that they could come up. And that's what destroyed the project. Once those two people got involved, it went to shit. I want to make sure that uh, that we, we get to. I, I know that you, you said your battery was close to dying. Uh, we've had a phenomenal interview. Er, earlier, I think before we got on, you had said that uh, you, you had an announcement that you wanted to make sure that you make. Was that about the more than thugs hit, hitting two million, or is there something else you wanted to make sure oh, you yeah, got that, out? Oh, yeah, that and running for Congress. Yeah, that and <laughs> oh. running for Congress, big time. Big time. Avian <laughs> for Congress. <laughs> Hey, uh, maybe I'll, I'll send in an I've absentee been ballot. A politician. I mean, look at look at my life. You know, even putting Jay Z and Mariah together, that's politics. You know that what I mean? Politics. And the leadership. Well, here's you, you the showed thing. America is fucked up, and the reason why we're back to talking about racism and back and all of this crap is because of the leadership of America. The voices, the voices are old white men right now, going back to when they were a kid. It's not right. Why are we talking about racism right after a black president? Right. You know what I mean? Like, did we just jump in a time machine and go back? So I kept thinking, especially even in the 90s when they started hyphenating everybody, I felt like that was a divisive measure to say that all people aren't Americans anymore. Everybody was a hyphenated American. And I thought that was a Dude, step unless, backwards. Look, unless you're Indian, you're an immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> if you're white, you're an immigrant. This, you go to the Statue of Liberty, bring me your tie, da-da-da-da-da. This nation was built on immigrants. And now you're tripping on immigrants? You want to build a wall? What are you, stupid? I think when I got you, the question. Go, the go ahead, John. The problem is it takes seven years, it takes seven years to get a visa or, or naturalization or your citizenship. That's the problem. The reason I think you're going to make a good it's candidate laws. <laughs> is, is part of, of being a politician is being a leader. And, you know, you basically brought rap to the mainstream and you did it with your vision. And, and you basically said, we're going to do this at that station. And people just followed your lead. So if you take that same thing and you did that as a as a young person 
And can you imagine with what your new vision is going to be? And do you have a platform? Like what, what's your platform going to be uh, as you run and campaign? Do you have a platform yet? Well, here's, here's the thing. It all comes down to the young people. I've been involved in a charity called Freedom for Youth. Okay, Freedom for Youth involves themselves in teaching life skills to incarcerated teens. And how this started was, and it's how I met Little Bams and all of this. Well, not how I met him, but when I met Little Bams, he had this friend named Kid. And him and Bams, Kid and Bams, were walking next to Santa Barbara High School. The police roll up on Kid because he was a certified, straight-up gang banger. And he was walking. The police see him, grab him, find a gun on him right next to the high school. Bams was with him. So I say, oh, my God, Bams is associating himself with gangbangers. I need to know this guy. This guy was incarcerated. He's up at the boys' camp in Santa Barbara where they take the worst of the worst and they put him in a camp in the mountains. So it's the only person I ever visited that was incarcerated. I go up there and visit him on Thanksgiving. I bring him grandma's turkey, all this stuff. And what made it possible was a lady by the name of Billy Joe who ran Freedom for Youth. And she let me in to see this kid, which is against the rules, to pull a kid out of his dorm and sit down with him on Thanksgiving and talk to him about his life. Impossible to do. So they, she made it happen. And I'm sitting there and I tell him, he's like, I'm a gangbanger, fuck you. You know what I mean? And I'm like, whatever. But I kept trying with him. And see, that's the thing. If you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying, it'll happen. So then he gets incarcerated in Santa Barbara County Jail when he turns 18. The Mizza goes to the jail. Aren't you tired of this? And he goes, look. And I said, look, I'll make you a deal. If you don't get in trouble again, and he wanted to be a rapper, so I said, look, I'll produce your mixtape, I'll get you a show at the Velvet Jones, and I'll get you in the Santa Barbara Independent, which is a newspaper, if you don't get any more trouble. He hasn't been in trouble since. He's a great father. Now, he works at UCSB as a cook. He got Bams a job at UCSB. You know what I mean? It, that's my platform, is because if you get kids and you teach them life skills, because my friend Wino, who passed away, committed suicide in my house, by the way, because that's where he wanted to die. You know what I'm saying? He said, it's too late for me. But he introduced me to bands and skips. He said, I'm going to jump them into the gang or I'm going to jump them into music. What do you want to do? And I took him. And Bams hasn't left my house since. He was 14 then. He's lived with us since. It's grandma's other grandson. You know what I mean? It, that's the platform. It's if you teach kids in early stages life skills and you teach them and you give them that platform to learn and you surround them with mentors, you'll win because then it creates jobs. Then it creates a better society. We have to start with the kids and see it all the way through. And that's the problem, is people will mentor, people will teach, but there's limits to it. If you jump in, you got to jump in full-blown. I mean, I had to go through hoods and, you know, the American Foundation with Jim Brown and Harry Belafonte and going to the worst neighborhoods in Los Angeles and talking to gangbangers. That's what made Power 106 hot, is the fact that I was in the streets. I knew what was happening and what was coming up. So I go through the hoods, I hear a record coming up, I play it on the radio. So all I am is a conduit. And yeah, you say leader, but here's the thing. Someone who leads has to listen. 
And that's my platform, is listening. And what I've done in my past should prove that that's what we're going to do now, is we're going to listen and then, like for instance, in the campaign, what I really want to do is, I don't want to go and speak to people. I don't want to pull this shit where Trump is sitting up there being the, the, you know, this, that, and the other, and just spitting out all this crap. I want to go and say, yo, tell me what you want. And listen to the people. I don't want to just sit there and talk. We have town halls where we sit there and listen to what the problems are in our community. In Santa Maria alone, which is our North County, is the highest murder rate in California, comparable to the United States. That's a problem with young people that don't have anything else to do. When they get out of the YMCA or the, YMCA, or the uh, Boys and Girls Club, when they kick them out at 16, where do they go? There's nothing between 16 and 18. When they, get to, mm. when they get out of jail, where do they go? You know, for instance, kid, when he got out of jail, I took custody of him. My house got raided. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean. You've got to take it all the way. And that's why I love Freedom for Youth is we can literally take kids out of jail with a probation officer, take them to a studio, Take them to an event and show them that there's another way. And that's what I was saying about Wino. Wino said it was too late for him. He didn't know there was a better life. He thought that that shit was just on TV. There were no, he never left the hood. He never knew. And that's what broke my heart. And that's wow. the platform. We, we should, uh, oh, man. I, I, yeah. We got to start with our young people. We got to empower their dreams. And just like what you guys have gone through, you see it, you make it happen. Yeah. And that's what these kids have to believe is that it can happen because they've been beaten down so much. Do you know what it's like in a juvenile prison? Do you know what happens to a kid when he's 16 and tried as an adult? He goes to jail with adults. And you know what the adults do to those young kids? The predators. Really that shit's got to change. Yeah, real I know you keep you keep the youth, and 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 I've seen this for for multiple interviews and multiple appearances. You keep the youth around you. You know, you you keep your ear to that, and and that's so <clears throat> uncommon right now for a lot of the people that came from the era, uh, you know, that that you did, because a lot of them are are hanging on to. Um, I guess that old way and, and so unaccepting of the youth, but, but you seem so accepting of the youth and the change and the movement and, and not, uh, not trying to stay in the, in the forefront, but, but push them in the forefront. What, what does because that mean, I was man? that kid. I, I know, was that kid. That's the reason. And, that, and I had mentors. I was taught. Maybe because I was a white kid and this, that, and the other. Okay, so break the line. Dude, at the time that I came up in hip-hop, there were no white people in hip-hop. Vanilla yeah. Ice ruined it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So coming up in hip-hop was extra hard for me. Extra hard. My first day at Power 106, Big Boy walked by me and said, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And two years later, he said, you're the reason why we're successful. Yeah. And yep. now he says, I'm still living off of you. You had a vision, and not everybody has the vision and then the follow-through to, 
to bring a vision to reality. And it sounds like you have one now and a platform and you, you have the kind of like the resources and the personality to hopefully make a better change for. Well, we don't have the resources history. yet. <laughs> we don't have the resources yet. We haven't started fundraising yet, but you know, it's coming. Yeah. Why? Well, I would hope that you get and elected. See, I mean, I we've done. Moment. That's why I respect and love the Bone fans so much. And, you know, the two Michaels, <laughs> you know, they start shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, I have this unreleased Bone record, but I'm working on this charity project for the Teddy Bear Cancer Foundation. Okay, well, we'll donate to the Teddy Bear Cancer Foundation if you put that record up. That's <laughs> a Bone fan. Yeah. No, but that's why I love the Bone fans. Is they oh, it's a fact. Fast They're revolutionary. Different. That's it's the different. thing about Bone that I love so much is it's a revolution. Every time you hear Bone, it's political. It's a revolution if you listen to their lyrics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or the end of the and world. That's what inspired me. The fans are uh, a different breed. You know, these fans have literally reached out to Bone and Bone Associates and, and leased tracks and released their own albums as fans that are legitimate, real albums. Uh, that that's a, that's something different that Bone fans do than you can say about you know any other fan. Uh, we we talked a lot of Bone tonight. We talked about a lot of stuff. There's a lot of questions we didn't get, so we're gonna have to get Demiza back on the show. But the one that I well, had you know to what you can sure. do really quick, fire through them. I'll make them short. What didn't you ask? Let's just fire through. Oh, them. so well, so so many let's, Demiza. Let's but I'm quick, gonna ask you this a, one. Let's just do what the was, quick ones. Boom, boom, boom. What was the song? that you were, you played Jay-Z a Bone song and he played you H to the Izzo. What was the Bone song you played to Jay-Z <laughs> when you were showing him your beats? Headhunters. Mm. Whoa. Okay. Wow. wow. It's on Shade Scheist's, uh, one yeah. of Shade bootleg albums. Yeah. With the real slow <sighs> guitar, it sounds like syrup. Mm-hmm. Well, well, like that shit. So there's another Headhunters? Here's, Here's a funny thing. It was it was actually me, him, and Kanye West in the studio when I played that record. And oh. then he played me H. Dizzo. I said I didn't like it, and he said he, he said write that on paper. I want to put it on my wall because this record's gonna be a hit. He was right. There there was Next a clip. Question. There was a clip that came out online years and years ago. It has been surrounded by every Bone fan's theory on what it was. Uh, Power 106 released a clip of NSYNC just got paid and Crazy Bone was mixed mm -hmm. into it. Uh, tons of rumors. I think the final verdict was a DJ had an unreleased Crazy Bone verse that was just mixed in and it, it never no. came out again. Can you tell us the story no. behind that? Patricia Bach, who was working with NSYNC at Jive Records, hit me up and said, I want Bone to do a remix of Crazy Bone. It was right after I still believe want Crazy Bone to do a verse on this NSYNC record. We're going to try it. It was just got paid. I did a flip of it. I put Crazy on it myself. Um, they sent me the vocals for NSYNC. I did all of the remix stuff. I handed it to E-Man. E-Man played it once. NSYNC heard it and said, you played it on the radio before we heard it. Fuck you. Wow. So that would have been the, it would have been official. It would have really been official in sync and both. Well, what my plan was, what my plan was is, yeah, we did it, but throw it on the radio and then you'll definitely like it because it's already on the radio. And he smashed it. Crazy smashed that. And they got upset. Crazy what, killed what it. Did, killed but it, I did that it. verse in the studio with Crazy. So that's, that's the rumor.
what is and and i know you know uh, your your favorites from other artists but what is your favorite song produced for bone or or a bone member damn that's a tough one mm. i would say more than thugs and i yeah. and, and i got a shout out lewis on the track on that one because he inspired that 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 track is what inspired that so shout out to lewis just hit two million on YouTube. I, I I feel like I remember seeing a plaque or something though that w was uh, oh, you know, Michael congratulating Peters, you for the two point five. Did he? Michael Peters is such yeah. a good guy. Shout out to Michael Peters. Yeah, shout out to him. I called him up and I said, "Look, this is what happened." Da 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 da. He did the artwork for it. Yeah, like, he did no. the original bone. See, I I always go to the fans. Like, yo, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I call Michael all the time. Both Michaels, but I call Michael Peters a lot. I talk to Michael a lot, and he's a great guy and a genius. You know what I mean? And like genius on other things, a race car fanatic, and and you know in the pit, Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Like, you know, great guy. And I just great went guy. to him. And I said, "Here's where I said, here's where it's at. This is what I want to do. I still got to send him his. I have his plaque at the office, and I, you know, we traded. I said, look, if you make this, I'll send you one of the plaques. And I literally made it myself." You know what I mean? Just as something to remind myself that, yeah, Bone's still here. You had said and in your book. that's the kind of fan I am. That's the kind of fan I am, is if something goes well, I make a monument to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I do it It, it deserves it. it that, that song deserves it. It's the, it's the nod to, to what we at least knew. Um, you, you it was said their in rebirth. Yo, facts. That's a million percent facts. Okay, in my book. In your book, uh, you had said that breakdown wasn't working with the Power 106 audience. What was it that didn't make breakdown work, but made I still believe work so well? I have no idea. That you know, we are talking about that today. You know that that artists think you know every song is their baby, and the biggest problem with artists is that every song is the same to them. They love them just the same, and they never understand why one song works and one doesn't. And that's the frustration is it's like, well, why don't you like this? I just did this. Why are you turning your back on me when you like this, but don't like this? And, you know, that was a big thing with Mariah. She was really upset about it is why isn't this working? And I don't know why it didn't work. It just didn't test. The audience didn't react to it. So I moved on. It caused a lot of trouble, but that's just what happened. I don't know why I still believe it worked. You know, to me, I thought it would never work at radio. Because it was so slow. I mean, and honestly, it's a Willy Wonka thing. With the, I took the loop from Warning from Biggie, put it under it, slowed it down. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, I, I didn't know. I still believe it was even in a chance. This is the last one I'm going to ask. I'm going to leave the rest, and I'm going to leave the rest of these questions as my my reason to get Demiza back on Beyond the Harmony. But I got to <laughs> know this one. Can you okay. tell me the story about when Notorious Thugs premiered on the beat? Because that record has always been so huge as an album cut to hip hop. It wasn't a single, but it's so huge. And I know that, that it premiered on the beat and that that caused a, a lot for, for you. Can you tell the fans about Notorious Thugs and, and what that meant and just, you know, what happened when well, it premiered on the beat? That record actually changed my relationship with Bone because then they knew I was I was on the radar. Do you know what I'm saying? Because they knew I had power at that point. Because when I heard that song on the beat, I freaking lost it. 
Because I'm like, Biggie did a song with Bone and we went to one world premiere. Screw you. And I called up everybody. Steve, freaking the label, Ruthless, Tamika, like just ev- the Biggie's people, Puffy, everybody. And I went off. And actually, that created my relationship with Biggie because when I went off and said, fuck this, I'm just not going to play any more Biggie or I'm not going to play his first single when it comes out. And Puffy ended up showing up at the studio or at the radio station and said, look, Biggie's with me. We're going to play Hypnotize on the radio together because we world premiered this. We didn't mean to disrespect you. So then they brought Hypnotize the next day to Power 106. But that made me so mad. Because that record, I heard it, and my skin crawled. Like, that was the most angry I have ever been. Like, I don't get angry. Like, I, I, it's just something in me. I don't get scared. I don't get angry. I, people can't find me, can't intimidate me, any of that crap. But when I heard fucking Bone on the beat with fucking Notorious Thugs, I lost it. I went through the damn roof. And track it means a lot of hip hop. Yeah, it just it changed the relationship, and it, and you know what? That's when Bone and even Puffy and Biggie and all that were married to Power One Hundred Six because they knew if they crossed that line, I would go freaking nuts, and they never wanted to test that again. We were number the one. Mid- Why would you Are go we- against the number one radio station and the guy who's basically reinventing your career? And, you know, my sneaky plan from the beginning was reinventing Bone and reintroducing them to the audience. But I had to fight for every freaking thing. Like, even listen to the, you know, the video thing of having to go down to San Diego and making it happen. You know what I'm saying? So let that be a lesson. Make it fucking happen. If you dream something and you want it, look at me. Justin is a perfect example of it, the kid I was talking about with the Kanye thing. He used to wait at every single rap show at the back door. Every hip-hop artist knows Smoothie because he would sit at the back door and wait for the artist to come in and then say, here's my beats, here's a memory stick, here's you know this, that, the other, I'm Justin, I'm Justin, I'm Justin, until he made it. And people's egos won't do that today. They won't sit there and they want to be, ah, oh, yeah, I'm cool, da 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 this, that, and the other. You ain't going to make shit. Go out there and freaking try. Humble yourself. And go out there and sit at the back door. Find your favorite artist. Become their friend. And then they'll embrace you. That's what happened with the freaking Notorious Thugs, is I made myself visible and said, hey, I'm the guy that can do this. And that's how it went. Will we see Demiza and Bone in the future? Is there is there a future uh, I have right no with you guys? Yeah. You know, everything's cool. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's, there's always issues. You know what I mean? There's always haters. There's always that crap. But you know what? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Here, here's the thing that's kind of sad. I think my phase with Bone is done. And that's what's really sad to me. That's my feeling is I've, I've done the work and I've proven the point and I've run my course with Bone. Wow. In this, yeah. in this manifestation. You know what I'm saying? In this environment, I can't work with Bone. The people that are around Bone, I can't do it. The people that are in their ears, 
I can't do it. Because when you mess with the Mizza, it's, it's, it's a ride. And you're either on the ride or you're off the ride. And you can derail that ride. And if you derail the ride, it's for everybody. Damien Demiza Young, everybody. You can check his book out, demizabook.com. It is full of so much more than what we talked about tonight. Hopefully, uh, we're going to get Demiza back on. I think that the fans really want to do a live. We do a live show as well. So the next time we'll have to get you on, go live and let the fans call in and uh, talk to you. But hey, you and know. I just, I just want to say one thing, though. I want to thank you guys because, dude, what the, the Bone fans need a voice. And this show is just fucking incredible. And I just want thank to thank you. you for the platform and for the way that you guys are and the human beings that you are, the accepting people, humble, great people that you guys are, super conscious and with it, and just giving a voice to the Bone fans. It's, it means a lot to all of us. So thank you very much. The Bone Army loves you guys. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. We're, we are humbled by, the, by everybody all the time. We, we never knew what this was going to be like when we got into it. We, we didn't even know why we were doing it, except we just felt like the story wasn't told as well as it could be, and, and somebody had to, and, and we just decided we're going to do it and started reaching out. And here we are interviewing Did you hear what Demiza. you just said? So, Did you hear what you just said? Oh, yeah. Did you hear what you just said? That's we, exactly we what happen. I've been saying the whole time. You made it happen. So thank you guys. And I'm going to leave it at that. Merry Christmas. The Mizzle, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I love you. I'm one of you. Thank you, Demiza, for letting us have the Demiza experience and get to interview one of our heroes. So uh, thanks, thanks for all you've I'm done. I'm humbled by it. I'm humbled by it. Take care, guys. All right. Take care, brother. Thank you. God bless. Woo! Woo! Johnny. <laughs> Man. That was amazing. It, it was... You know, yeah, getting it's 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 fun because throughout the business book and through the interview, he talked about how he got to, you know, just be around legends. And here we are, we got to interview the legend of radio of hip hop. He, who knows the impact? If you remove the Mizza from the timeline of reality, hip hop may never even have happened, or may not have that second phase that I believe happened around the time nothing but a G thing that started like this new era of, I guess it began the golden era that we call it. And De definitely you know, the, um, not, not the way we know it. We would have never got hip hop the way we know it. You know, he, he went in and, and he made the changes that made some of the things that we loved in, in uh, you know, the late nineties, early 2000 hip hop, uh, the, the shit that we loved, you know, he was there making it possible, um, fighting for it. So it, it, it really is, you know, it, it's, it's always a, uh, it's always an experience. We talk about that a lot after the, the guest drops off. We, we talk to you guys a lot about the experience it was interviewing it. And, and for me, I think of Demiza talking about Dre telling him the NWA story and just Demiza, you know, cause, cause remember guys, he always goes back to, I'm a fan. I'm a fucking fan. I like, I'm a real fan. That's why I do this. Cause I'm a fan. And that's why me and John do it, because we're, we're fans. And for me in this, this was like the equivalent, you know, Demiza listening to Dre tell the story. This is why when it when it got off a of bone, you guys, and and we just had to let Demiza go where he was going. Because I, I couldn't, you know, sit there and just harbor it to just 
just bone. This guy's so much bigger than just bone. Uh, he, you know, you see he's getting bigger than even hip hop. Uh, his story's huge. It had to go where it had to go. And and I was just in awe the, the whole time. The whole time he was talking, it was like uh, very rarely is Cecil West in, in a game of interview double dutch where he doesn't know where to jump in. But I just I just had to let him blaze, bro. When it goes, it goes to, well, it's, it's, it goes to one of his stories he told of when he was watching Dre and Snoop and they were coming off stage and he's just smiling with a big grin and they're like, Hey, this is your show. And he's like, no, dude, I, I'm watching it. Or I think maybe it was in the studio and he, he was so captivated in, in the storyline. And I think that might've been what happened to us. It's, it's partially my fault too. I got off on a, a Johnny tangent on the spirituality stuff, but, um, and, and also there was a lot of questions that we didn't get to but we appreciate all the questions and we, we have them on our sheet. So anytime we request questions from the fans, we have them on our sheet and most of the time we never get to them, but they're on the sheet. So all your questions, I copy and I paste them into our document. So don't, don't, if we didn't get to your question tonight, don't think we didn't try to, we got, we have, we have our sheet and we take all your questions and we love all your questions. So, uh, but, but yeah. sometimes, sometimes the flow of things you, you got to just go with it. And there was so many gems of wisdom that the, some of the bone questions that, that, that what we learned tonight, the, the deep answers and the confirmation of the things that Cecil and I keep talking about, about putting thoughts into the universe. The Miz is the living example of the, uh, probably the highest example of all of the dream come true and putting forth your intent on the universe. And he has drive and he never, as he said, he never takes no for an answer. And those are all, all of the mystical stories you hear about of, of making your dreams come true. He did all of it like beyond his wildest imagination. And he described it, you know, being in Mariah's house with the Marilyn Monroe piano and then getting a text from Jay-Z. I mean, it's, it's unreal. So yeah, it, that's it what is. We want to drive home. It, um, I felt really good about this one, man. I felt good about it. I, um, you know, he, and, and, you know, he was cool too. He, he knew we weren't getting through the bone and you saw he banged out a bunch of those bone questions. And I, and I tried to pick like the best ones. How much do I love the confirmation of the sync just got paid? I love, I love that we just changed the game up with that one. Uh, but there's so many that we didn't get asked, which is okay because uh, Demiz is a great guy. We're going to get Demiza to come back on. Uh, and, and I think next time we go live with Demiza and we let the fans get in and it will give us a chance to get the rest of these questions in. Uh, but I had a great time, man. I, re I really did. And, uh, I, you know, I hope the fans are, are happy with it because, again, I, I know that it wasn't as bone focused as normal. But it's like we tried to prepare you for at the beginning when an entity is just so big in his own right. Because a lot of guys that we interview are big, you know, because of bone or in the bone world or, you know, this is so much bigger than that. Uh, this was a huge interview. So I, I hope that everybody enjoyed it, even though it wasn't as bone based as normal. Um, but the door is is so you know, open, I think, for us to work with Demiza again. He he was a great guy, man. I, I feel really connected to him because uh because of his stories um and, and just who he is and the thing the things he says um are the things that I preach to my team. Uh you know, outside of here, you guys hear me talk about that I, that I work in music outside of this and and a lot of the values that Demiza uh preaches, 
you know, on here and to his team are, are things that I also push. So it was, it was a really enlightening um, and just connected experience for me. Well, and, and remember this too, if, if we are sticking in, and sticking by our beliefs, whatever happened was what was supposed to happen. And the stories I believe indirectly all somehow connect back to bone. If anything, the stories with Jay-Z, you know, the story of busy bone, uh, battling Jay-Z for 30 or 40 bucks, you know, so Jay-Z has a connection to Bone. Obviously, anything we talked about with Mariah connects back to Bone. All these managers that we talked about, everything somehow, even the UFOs, you know, Busy Bone's got a lot of songs about UFOs and extraterrestrials and stuff like that and, and, and tons of spirituality. So I feel like, and the business of Bone fan, he's into that. I'm a Bone fan. I'm into that. I think it still all plays part of the story. I think we all got a deeper uh we, we got more of Demiza. We, we saw him even further in than if you follow all of his interviews. And, um, it, and bottom line is if you, if you loved hearing Demiza tonight, you got to read Guilty by Association. It'll blow your mind. The, the stories in it are so good. Both the, celebrity, the celebrities that he talks about in his encounters, but also just hearing his come up story. It, it's enlightening. It's inspiring. And it lets anybody know Demiza did it all. And he was almost aborted, left with his grandmother. His grandmother was a, like a single parent, a single grandparent. And he came from, from nothing, from being left on her doorstep and then became the most, the number four top most powerful person in hip hop, according to the source, flown all around the world, changed rap music, made it so that it still is here to this day, brought Dre and Snoop back together. Tons of, this one guy did all this. So, and, and the funniest thing is that when we went into this, we we're like, we're going to stick to bone tonight. <laughs> we're going to stick to bone and we, and, right. and you just can't, it's not you that can't. we didn't want to stick to bone is, is there's so like, why would you pass up getting some of these insights just to but, stick to bone? So, you know, the guy's magic and, and you had to let the magic happen. Um, you had to let the magic happen. But, but like I said, I think it's great because it, it leaves the door open for us to go with Demiza again, uh, and and he deserves it. And I loved this interview for him as well because you know I've seen him do a lot of interviews, half hour interview, hour interview, whatever it is. But I think he really got to open up on this, and and that's something that happens on our show a lot. Is it's it's the Jim Rome sit down, yeah. Uh, you know it is the the Jim Rome of of the Bone World. You you are gonna get your moment to talk about whatever the fuck you want here. Uh, a lot of interviews are very formatted, and 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 even though ours is formatted, we try to stick to bone. We're going wherever you want, you know, wherever they want the the story to be. And Demiza had to tell those things, and and he has so much to tell. You know, you you could be a Mariah Carey fan and interview Demiza for probably hours and hours and hours and days and days just about Mariah and never hear him talk about another thing. So th there was a lot to talk about, but we're gonna bring him back. I feel good, John. I feel great. Another one for the books. The collection is big. I'm a bone collector. I used to collect bone CDs and singles. I used to collect memorabilia. Now I collect the fucking interviews that we do. And Damiza is a big one. Yeah. And, and I want to, for his sake, uh, just let you guys know, because it didn't seem like there was a ton of views on this. There's a, he mentioned it though. There's a song called Out Cheer. It's spelled O-U-T-C-H-E-A. It's Busy Bone and Little Bams, and he spoke about Little Bams a lot. That song's got a really good production. Busy's got a long verse on it, and he even does uh, most of the hook. So check that one out. And then 
the Demiza, the Miz tape, the blacklist. It's called the blacklist, the Miz tape. There's a BB Gambini freestyle on it. There's also, um, if you wanted a high quality version of Coming Home, the original version with TQ, that's on it as well. So if you want to hear a, a, a not as greatly heard Busy Bone freestyle, the BB Gambini freestyles on the black, the blacklist, the Miz tape, and check out Outshear. And I think there was one other new one that, but uh, kind of slipped my mind. So, so yeah. And we'll and I'm gonna post in the comments all the songs that we figured Demiza has released. Now, obviously, he's got a bunch that are unreleased, but the ones that are officially released, some in some way, shape, or form. I'll put that in the comments as well. Demiza, guys. It's uh it's beyond the harmony. It's season two. Um I, you know, I know that we did 20 episodes last season. We told you we're doing 10 episodes this season, but motherfucker, less episodes does not mean less quality. This so far is a fucking grand slam season, Johnny. I feel good, yeah. man. I, I feel good. Um <clears throat> We're gonna. This is gonna be broken up like everything that we do. So you guys are gonna get a little bit of this uh, for a couple of weeks, and I don't. You know, I don't know what we got coming next. I know that this is the fifth recording for this season. So this is, uh, you know, technically episode five of the, of the ten for this season, and uh, we we got some other great things coming. But this this took it out of me. You know, I talk, talking to Demiza and him understanding energy and him understanding frequencies and and. When you and I talk, you and I understand it, but something that we don't talk about a lot is uh, it, it physically takes it out of me to do these interviews sometimes, uh, and, and not in a bad way, but it's because you get so connected to the person you're talking to. This happened when I talked to Romeo. This this happened when I talked to Kay Chill. This happened when I talked to um, even even Diego Black in a lot of ways, um, and, and, and I'm sure so many more uh, that, that are just slipping my mind, but it really, it, it, it exhausts me, man, because I get so connected and so uh, w just wound up in, in what they're saying and, and the feeling that they bring to it. This show is special. Uh, you listeners are special. The people that support this are special. Um, so just like Demiza, man, it, it was so great to have Demiza thank us for what we do. That was humbling as fuck for me, John. That was humbling as fuck. Um, but I, I thank all our listeners as well uh, to to be this many episodes in and still have a reason to do it. And and just doing that interview with Demiza, if you guys ever thought that I was running out of reasons to do this, Demiza just, you know, put me back in the game a million percent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, this one, this one's not even, you can't even measure this one. This one's like, you know, if you have a scale, it it, it breaks the scale. Um, yeah. Just the fact that we talk, I mean, just even talking to him, I almost feel like I received like an, um, like a telekinesis when your phone got cut out for a minute and I was like, all right, well, I got, I got to wait till Cecil gets back. So I was asking about Stephen Greer and it was almost like in my mind, he said, Hey, that's great and all. And I'm cool to talk about Stephen Greer with you, but I, you know, you got a chance here to talk to the Mizza about bone and you're going to waste it on, on UFOs. But, um, it's okay. I, 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 like that message, even if he didn't send that message, that was the message I got tonight where it's like, hey, Johnny, there, there's certain scenarios you got to just, you know, uh, be be a little bit more pro. So um, whether or not that really happened or not, that's that's the the guiding principles that I'm going to go on. It was the moment because I needed it to come from somebody 
that could conversate and would conversate on this to deliver it. If it was just somebody else saying, hey, what are you doing, kid? Um, you know, it wouldn't mean anything. But and, and again, I don't know if he sent that, but that's how I've that's what I learned. It, maybe it was my inner self talking to myself, but I'm glad I, I'm glad it happened. Sometimes you got to go through these things and and fall off the building like Neo did the first time to become the one. Uh, but everything else was was fantastic and wonderful. And it was awesome. I'm going to watch that Stephen Greer video, by the way. Um, I can't wait to watch him watch the first thing tomorrow morning. I can't believe he he got that opportunity, too. That's that's I would love to sit down and I don't drink alcohol. But if I did, it'd be awesome to drink alcohol with Stephen Greer. Nonetheless, awesome, amazing, everything about it, perfect. Cecil, you've done a wonderful job booking. I don't do any of these bookings. Cecil does all of these bookings. Uh, he's got the magic touch, so um, great job, Cecil. Yeah, I got lucky. I book hip-hop for a living. I book hip-hop X for a living, so I, uh, I, I've been able to apply that to, to what we do here and I still got still got a couple bookings up my sleeve coming this season, uh, but I feel good about tonight. Uh, you feel good, John? I feel great, and and I'm really looking forward to uh, some of the other uh, things that we got um, up up in store. In addition to our guests, we got a couple other special uh, programs that we're trying to put together as well, and I'm looking forward to doing those along with Ty Wise. Boys and girls, this is Thug. Thursday. On behalf of Damian Demiza Young, I am Cecil West with the one and only Jonathan Lippy. Phoenix Rising, bring us home again. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.